0: Alright, greetings ladies and gentlemen and welcome to us talking about Resident Evil Village Gold Edition. So, uh, what's different this time around is we actually had time to play the game, play through either some of the story or some people played mercenaries or the third person mode. So, we're here to give our final opinion as to what we think about the game so far and everything we've seen within the contents of the plot uh i have to warn people and reiterate if you're watching this podcast there's going to be spoilers it's a spoiler cast so if you haven't played the dlc and the story i will suggest not watching this you have been warned so i'll just letting you know Uh, i'm your host renegade operative and i would like to introduce black shadow yes good evening everyone
1: hope you're all keeping well you have well and truly been warned uh, before we talk about a kind of curious DLC, and one that had been long awaited some 18 months after the original game's release, which is quite a long time for a DLC, but uh, it was
0: it was a curious time. Next up we have Samzar.
2: Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here.
0: Good to have you, good to
3: have you. Next up we have Austin. Hello, hello. I'm AK Austin, and I'm ready to get this underway. Next up, we have Hey Double. How's it going, guys?
4: Thanks for having me. Super excited to discuss more about Re Village and this DLC.
0: And last but not least, we have Mr. Deadman Gaming. Introduce yourself, good sir.
5: Hello, everybody. It's Deadman Gaming. I, I, uh, pretty much just like to like things, and am excited to talk about Resident Evil Eight.
0: Alright, so without further delay, let's get right into the first question. Uh, we're going to be talking about like just the general gameplay of Shadows of Rose once we started the campaign and how we feel about that, and I want to start with Austin. Austin, can you hear us?
3: Yep, I can hear you. Just getting my notes sorted here, I guess. <laughs> yep, it's your um, question number one. Alrighty, how do you f- mostly feel about the Shadow of the Rose DLC? Not that you finally played it from start to finish. We're talking gameplay only here. Um, how do I feel about the DC, uh, the DC, the DLC? Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. I found it to be pretty fun, albeit a little slow paced, but I think that's what they're trying to go for. They're trying to go for more of a story narrative a gameplay pace, which I had no issue about. I did feel though that in certain combat situations scenarios, I was like, "I need to run, and I was like, "I have to run really early just to get away from some of the creatures that you have to face in the game. but no, no, I love the gameplay elements. I love having to use uh, mechanics to deal with certain enemy situations, and the mechanic itself was like its own uh, resource management, which I thought was really cool. Um, overall, I think the gameplay was was at least on the lowest level was fine overall i think it was good in my opinion i I quite enjoyed it especially the uh last boss i actually really enjoyed the last boss and i know quite a few people didn't i was like okay then but yeah that's all i have to really say gameplay was was fine it was fun and i quite enjoyed it
0: next up we have shadow
6: yeah um so
1: as I mentioned at the start, it had been some eighteen months between the original game being released and Shadows Roses DLC uh, coming out, uh, which is a long time for like a first piece of sort of standalone DLC uh, to come out. Well, for a point when you know if it'd been like six months, fine, but for well over a year, I did find myself having to like quickly remember what on earth happened in the original game in the first place, which you know. For whatever reason, it was that long. So be it. If it had anything to do with leaks, if it had anything to do with problems, you know, whatever else, so be it. Um, I think um, my my own opinion of the Shadows Rose is that I, I, as i mentioned in my recordings, I enjoyed it. I thought it was probably a fairly fitting end to the Winter Saga, um, and I, I only came for the story. I don't think this game was ever going to set its uh, set the world alight on gameplay. That wasn't its point. Uh, I think it was more about kind of uh, bringing a, a summary end to um, to the Winter's storyline um, and giving it that big dramatic finale, uh, you know, where Rose finally gets to uh, have her moment with her father before they inevitably have to split ways for good. Because unfortunately, you know, nothing can be happy forever, at least until Resident Evil Night. We'll see about that. Um, but in any event, yeah, I, I thought it was fine. Uh, I think the gameplay okay. Um, you know, it was a bit wacky. I think the the story. I actually thought the story was kind of inventive. Uh, I thought it was fairly it was kind of cute. Uh, obviously, it's always tricky when you're having to reuse a lot of the old assets and then trying to justify a reason to do that, which I think they did well enough with uh, with the plot line. Um, and even the final boss fight, like, I actually think it was slightly more interesting than, say, the final fight in Village, which was just a big giant sponge. At least this was a big giant sponge that had some kind of actually fairly destructive attacks. So I was like, you know, what, fine enough. But I I, I heard some people that I was speaking to kind of say, oh, it was kind of, you know, it was so-so gameplay. It's like, what were you expecting, really? You know, so... I, I enjoyed it. I was I enjoyed it for what it was. I came for the story and I thought that delivered and I think that was the main part for the DLC. But obviously gameplay wise, you know it was what it was. But I, I think that's I don't think that was a problem.
0: Okay, um I'll go next. So yeah, I mean I, I as shadow said the gameplay is basic principles you know you're going around in the dimitres mansion and you're discovering new pathways and enemies and things that weren't really there before um there are folks that made fun of the reuse asset bit and honestly i mean again i can see where they're coming from in that department because once again it is like some of the same level but um they just remix a lot of things and they add in new dangers and stuff like that and i truly did not mind it as much as long as they were doing something new and we weren't just backtracking doing the same segment over and over again uh it was really haunting stuff with some of those face eaters and uh the things chasing uh the things chasing rose around the entire mansion uh so it was just an idea of how can we take this third-person premise and make an entirely new game out of it you know testing and experimenting and all that stuff um which were for the most part i know aesthetically it's kind of weird to see this character have powers and and push people and all that stuff but I, I didn't feel it was at a point where it was uh what's the word i'm looking for way too broken and and, and breaks the survival horror mode too much because i mean you have to use your power sparingly because you don't get a lot of those uh white orbs that you can use it with so you have to make sure use it get out and deal with the situation so and you don't get that many guns either you just get the handgun and the shotgun from what i noticed uh so it it is something that is a benefit to the character which capcom worked in quite well um i overall enjoyed it of course there could have been more of course there could have been more layers on top of it as usual but for a four hour dlc for twenty dollars along with getting some quality of life i i didn't think it was the worst package in the world the only issue like i said would have been just more levels and layers on top of that than what we already got but you know it's pretty decent for the most part so i will pass the baton over to deva
6: deva can you hear us Oh, there you go. I don't know. I was already
4: talking about... i being muted. Alright, me personally, since we are talking about gameplay, correct? I mean, I personally enjoyed it. I mean, the combination of only literally using what just a couple of weapons and then the innate powers that she had. I mean, it, I felt like it was fine. And I mean, it did give a slight, you know, additional to the, like the whole dynamic of the gameplay by... Adding a little bit more of a resource management, as you guys mentioned before, in in regards to using her powers, that we can't just spam it constantly, you know what I mean? Yeah, it would have been, I guess, a little bit overpowered if we were able to use that powers over and over, like where we'd be able to slow uh, enemies down and whatnot. I mean, additional gameplay, I mean, yes you mentioned the spoilers i mean the other half of resident evil village i mean um dlc um shadow of rose is the fact that we don't really use the weapons but we're inside the beneviento house and we kind of have just navigate around a lot of like the whole dolls and all that and um and then just using that combination with our new powers i mean it was fun and it was haunting to be honest i mean besides that i feel like gameplay wise i mean yeah we have it in third person and we don't really get to enjoy the full immersion of the gameplay and rose's powers till the the very last fight actually right so maybe i wish we could have gotten that option where like we would have been able to use all of our powers in some capacity a little bit longer but Besides that, I mean, like you guys said, I mean, it was an enjoyable DLC. I mean, I wish there was more of it. And though I might have to disagree with a lot of people here and all that, like, they say this is the end of the Winter Saga. And I think that's coming from the devs themselves, too. But it's just, like, I mean, it ends exactly the way resident evil village ended with that whole like speculation of ethan next to that car right you know and to me it's like it didn't further play into that like i thought we're going to have a little bit more beyond that you know what i mean like maybe like a cutscene here and there but so it just tells me like okay you guys like say like oh yeah the winter saga is already done i mean but is it really i mean why give us that like last cliffhanger then you know, but besides that,
6: enjoyable DLC. Next, we will hand the baton over to Deadman. Thanks,
5: Ryan. Um As far as the Shadows of Rose DLC goes, I, I personally thought it was very, very enjoyable. Uh, definitely took it back to kind of the survival horror that Seven was trying to do, at least there in the beginning. Um, so I can't think of any time that I ever truly felt safe. Um, uh, you know, with most Resident Evil games, you get to a point where you're like, it doesn't matter what I run into. I, I got this. I can take care of it. And Shadows of Rose all throughout the campaign, maybe I think, uh, fighting the final boss is the only time I actually felt safe. Uh, but all through the main campaign, it was it was very tense and very good with the survival horror aspects. Um, I definitely liked the addition of the powers with Rose, kind of hoping that whatever we might get next has something like that. You know, not not anything that's, like, too stupidly broken, but it would still be cool if we had something that we could play with that was not just our guns. Like... Maybe a new division of the BSAA is going to be the, you know, actual biomutated division or something. And that has to go clean up, but they go and clean up with their own powers. And I don't know. I just think that would be kind of neat for them to play off of in the future. Um, But that's, I mean, that's really it. It's just, it was very fun and enjoyable. um, Definitely very spooky all throughout.
0: All right um let's see so everyone has went so far uh i wanted to chime in go oh i forgot sorry uh it is your turn
2: thanks uh so yeah i really enjoyed um the the whole dlc from beginning to end i thought the mechanics were really good um and the way they had the Inception idea kind of tied in where she's going into the Mutamycete and going through these memories uh, one at, one layer at a time helped keep the pacing going. Where you were just kind of moving from one area to the next, from the castle to the house, deeper into the stratum of the Megamycete. And the... Um, and kept things going, kept things moving. And then in each area, there was a new mechanic introduced. And I didn't think any area or any mechanic overstayed its welcome. Um, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, the, her communicating with her father through that was a really clever way to show the player how to use things, and you were kind of learning with Rose. Um, so I really like that aspect. I like when games do that, where they kind of tie the tutorials into the narrative a little bit. Um, so that was really cool. I thought that was really well done. Um, even the boss fights, uh, the boss fight with Evelyn in the house was really cool. Uh, I thought that was really well done to show how powerful she was, um, within this universe that she was kind of been hibernating in since the end of eight, um, Uh, And and I thought that was fun. Final boss fight was a little frustrating. I I found it to be. I always find it frustrating when they introduce a brand new mechanic at the very end of a game, um, such as the dodging. I had no time to practice that and figure out how to make that work. So I was playing on the hardest difficulty, and I probably died upwards of 10 times on that final boss fight before i was able to get that dodging down i was also playing on a mouse and keyboard and they originally wanted you to press like alt and something else or, or f in a direction it was a really weird key bind so i had to play around to get my key binds right um so that was a little frustrating but all of that ties together. The resource management, I'm glad they carried that over from 8, where you're still crafting items to to have that. Um, but also the resource management of her powers, I thought, was really good. Uh, like you have said previously, uh, a couple of the guys before me, um, how it just helps to keep that survival horror aspect there, where you're kind of tactically freezing enemies and running around them so you don't waste ammo just to get away. Um, and I thought new enemies were introduced um, pretty relatively quickly so there was always a new threat kind of around the corner so overall I thought the DLC was really great it actually might be one of my favorite pieces of Resident Evil content um not only with the uh the gameplay changes and kind of their experimentation with a new style within the universe of Resident Evil 8 but also the story but we'll talk about that later
0: okay I have a side question um but it's gonna tie into question number three so uh we have to talk about one of the most interesting segments of the game and that is the dollhouse segment so uh this is probably the most scariest part of the game and i want to get the opinions of the people who you know experienced this for the first time and what was going through your mind when it happened i want to start off with black shadow so, I think this was um, this was a bit of a gamble by uh,
1: the developers here. Uh, we obviously, this is building off of the visit to uh, the um, Beneviento manor in the original game, of which there was a lot going on, um, and... Obviously, a lot of people remember that as being, like, one of the scariest parts of the game, and, you know, we all remember, like, the the freaking baby stuff, there was a lot of stuff happening, um, and, again, this goes back into the whole kind of reasoning of assets feature, and I guess this was kind of being looked at, um, the, uh, what's the best way to describe this? You know, this is obviously like a retelling of it. This is kind of like uh, Rose's version of it. And it was a great way of like, in theory, of bringing this kind of this horror thing, especially if you play the original game, once you go down the elevator and you open it and you realize where you're right, you're like, uh, you know, here we go again sort of thing. Um, but it's difficult, though, because it's like you've already you've already played this trick once. When um, I, st- I think they did a very good job of it with Resident Evil Village uh regards to Ethan's um, trip through. Um, so, doing it again for Shaz Rose, I think, was kind of risky. Um, but I think, on the whole, they did a pretty decent job of it. I think they managed a fair, um, you know, with kind of retelling it and, you know, tailoring it specifically to target Rose uh, and kind of her fears, uh, you know, from, from school and, you know, and her upbringing about that, about being different. Um, so, I think, on that side of things, they did pretty good, even if they did kind of mess around with certain bits and pieces um, going on as well. Um, I'm not going to lie, the dolls are freaking creepy um they did a very, very good job of that it is obviously pretty pretty terrifying um and i i think you know on the whole i think they did a pretty decent job of it. but i i was when i first realized it was like i was i was kind of anticipating what was about to happen but i was slightly worried because i was a bit i was concerned they were going to perhaps struggle slightly to deliver it properly i was perhaps concerned that they were going to manage to um
6: you know get things up and running uh sufficiently but i, I think they did a pretty good job of it on the whole Alright, Austin, it's your turn. Austin?
3: Yep, takes a moment to uh, unmute. Uh, so yeah, the dollhouse section, um, I... As many as you know, the freaking Beniviento House was my favorite section in Resident Evil Village. And revisiting it and making it even scarier... I don't know how they can make it scary, oh, with a freaking Reaping Angel mannequin that moves, and you see it moving, that shit scared me so much, especially, um, at first I was like, okay, I can, I get, get this, this is simple, but the movements itself is very creepy, I was able to get to the end of it, and I was like, alright, cool, and then you get to the second, uh, the second phase of it, where the second one gets introduced, I didn't know it was behind me until I turned around, I was like, alright, I gotta run. I turn around, it's right in front of me, I freak out, and it gets me. And I was like, okay, this changed the whole n- other game." And then it gets even worse, and then you get a third one that also got me, and then there's a fourth one. Thankfully, I was able to get around that one, and I complete that entire section. And then you move on to the second part of the dollhouse phase. I was like, we're not done. Thankfully, the second part wasn't that bad. It was not as scary, but it was also like a puzzle itself, which I liked. I thought it was cool that you can actually stun the dolls and stun them with your power. I thought that was actually really, really neat. Like, albeit that it did use up a lot of your resources in many ways than on one. I don't know, that, the dollhouse section was by far the, like, one of the scariest things I've had to face in a long time. And I really enjoyed it. And yeah, there's not much to say else, it's just the best part in the game, by far.
0: All right, Dev, I'm passing the baton over to you. All right, well, I actually completely agree with
4: um, with, uh, what Austin said. I mean, the Beneviento house or portion in Resident Evil Village was, was my favorite portion of the game as well. So here, just to try to figure out, like, what else can you do to make it scarier compared to the village section where Ethan went through it for the first time because like you would think like okay well we already knew or know what exactly was gonna happen right and what they did this time like I mean yes it's all reused assets and whatnot but like I feel like they did everything that they can to make it the best possible version of terror or whatever game mechanic, pieces, lore, whatever that's surrounding inside the Beneviento House, is I guess best as possible. And you know what's funny? I'd like to add in, like, going back to RE Village, is the fact that when Ethan went through the Beneviento Household, I mean, the main whole mechanic of it is, like, we lose all of our weapons, same with Rose this time around, but also it's the whole kind of, like, psychological like tormenting throughout the um, uh, our gameplay, where in Ethan's case, when we go into the actual heart of the household we see that large mannequin of mia right and it's kind of like it's a play on like that event where chris killed her or supposedly killed her right and you know because that mannequin has like the bullet hole and like you know and i don't know why but donna has this you know life-size mannequin of mia well this time i mean yeah like we have the mia doll but she's actually there in pursuit of you. So it's like, it's like really messed up play of like, you know, seeing Rose, uh, like maybe from Rose's perspective, seeing her life-size doll of her like mom trying to go, go after her. Right. Not only that, the added portion of, um, evelyn tormenting you on top of that as well and kind of reminding rose of her childhood and like the way she was bullied by her like peers and all that and and um and how like she was being treated with like some of the little hints of like the dolls like making like making fun of her making little quotes right about like you know how her like you know how her powers are are kind of made her a little different um And additional, I would say, like, gameplay-wise, I mean, I like the whole stealth thing, you know, mechanic that, yeah, like, you know, if you're found out by the dolls, and they're going to stab you. And um, if you see that large Mia doll when you're, like, little bite-sized rows, right, it's an instant kill. But like Austin said, the one that really, really terrified me was when you had the life-size Mia doll chasing after you, like in that little game of statues. So you kind of have to just keep, you know, your eye on the doll so they won't move. So you're like, all right, well, I'm pretty familiar with the Beneviento house and the whole layout. So you could back up just enough where like you'll get like a little bit of a distance. The only problem is the moment you kind of like turn around, you could hear it stomping and just trying to chase after you. Not only that, there's going to be like several of them by, by the end chasing after you. So... Other than that, I mean, I feel like it was a great portion of the game. I wish it was a little bit longer. I mean, a lot of people, I've been told by many other people, like it's kind of really like half and half that they either absolutely loved it or they hated it because they didn't like the whole supernatural feel coming from uh, a Resident Evil game. And I I understand coming from his roots like it's like really based on like biology viral infections and whatnot to now like with superpowers kind of like ghostly kind of like you know supernatural kind of stuff i i completely um understand what they're coming from but as a just a regular horror fan like you know i absolutely loved it
0: yeah i'm gonna go next so i mean hmm i just i just think that they were trying to do something a little bit different you know what i mean and and the hallucination drug thing uh is the example of that and the dollhouse uh happening you know because i mean it takes place in our minds so you obviously know some weird shit is going to go down that's the first thing that i suspected in this dlc when i saw the rose clones all over the place i i think maximilian he said it best he says something equivalent to the fact of if Capcom decided to make a full psychological horror game and make it 100% just like Baby in the dollhouse section, it would rake in a lot of money and a lot of people would probably be down for an idea like that, I know I would. Uh, So yeah, that's something to keep into mind and that's what I was thinking during the entire time because it's a, it's something so simple where it's just like you're looking at the doll and if you look at it, it'll stop in its place. And if you move around the corner or something, it starts moving. It's something so simple as a gameplay mechanic, but it's 100% fully scary. Because what started to happen in my experience was I was thinking, oh, this is going to be cake. I just look at it. It doesn't move. That's it. And then more dolls started to come behind me, and I'm like, I I know where this is going now. What's going to happen is they're going to try to move on me as I'm looking at one doll, and I got to pay attention to the other one, so I have to open my full field of view. And it's one of those great things where it's like, it could only work really i think in third person because uh once the dolls start getting like behind you and very close to the side it, it'd be probably hard to see them in first person maybe in first person that could work you never know but I, I just feel like it accommodated this new gameplay style and something that they tried out and i think it was heavily affected um i i i think it was effective to uh the game the the environment everything and what i really liked about it the most was i saw it coming a mile away with the doll in the hallway and like oh this is just they're gonna they're gonna take my weapons away and they did that they're gonna jump scare me and they did that and then all of a sudden i was just like in this dark room so i was like i'm waiting for it to happen and it's just effectively so good um so i i would argue it's one of the best parts I, i i do feel though that the later section where you're like tiny as a as a mushroom and you're just running around as a small like miniature person and uh it's a lot of dolls trying to kill you um that part i i i kind of thought that was just like a little break from what you experienced before but yeah someone said it best to be a vento house uh it's if they did make a whole game of that i i probably would have a heart attack and uh i will love it <laughs> so it's just one of those things where i think they should take it into consideration i understand oh uh, supernatural elements i don't know about that in resident evil but at the same time if you're an open-minded person and you love horror like this i find it really hard to hate that's how i feel about it mostly um i'm gonna pass the baton to dead man Um, yeah, I pretty much feel the same way as everybody else.
5: The, um, I don't know if it's my favorite section in the game, but the Bienvenida house is definitely the most memorable section. And I kind of assumed that we would just be in the castle, the whole thing, kind of similar to how we all thought that it might just be the castle whenever eight was first announced. Um... And then we got out of the castle, and I was like, oh, cool, where are we going next? And it just kind of started leading up to the walkway, and I was just like, oh, no, the whole way I was walking up. as soon as I hit the house, I was like, oh, God damn it! they're going to do another one of those things again, aren't they? And um, I thought the baby thing was bad. Like, I I just was horrible. I kept screaming no baby through my whole playthrough. And um, as soon as, uh, like you were saying, Ren, as soon as I saw the Mia um uh, the mia statue uh whatever standing up outside i was like oh fuck they're gonna do this shit aren't they and then they started doing the weeping angel shit and that is one of the things that will set me off on like a hair trigger that it's one of the things that'll freak me out the most um i still remember the first playthrough i had i made it to the bedroom and got the thing and you know the The Mia thing creeped into the room. I was like, "Okay, this is fine. I can just back out of the room and it'll be okay." And I didn't know there was a second one out there. It got me, and I screamed so hard I threw my controller, and I just quit that for at that point at the night um at the end of the night. But it was it was definitely memorable the second go round and one of my favorite sections in in this part of the DLC. Um, It it was just it it was it did even more the second time to scare the shit out of me than the first time and i thought that was really impressive because the first time you know it had everyone on edge and and they took away your weapons and did everything they did that all perfectly in the base game and i can't believe that at least for me that they they did it to, so much extra that it ended up scaring me even more than the base game, and I thought that was just so great.
0: Okay, Sansaris, your turn. How'd you feel about the dollhouse segment?
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm in agreement with mostly everybody here, where it was my favorite part of the DLC, hands down. Um, From first entering the house, uh, with all the welcome rows and the monkey, um, bear stuffies everywhere, um, to the point where you're just like cutting open one of them to get that first doll piece and that whole puzzle solving those puzzles and getting more of rose's backstory was was really nice um to kind of see where she was coming from why she wanted to get rid of these powers um that she's kind of learning about with the player as they're going through the story um so you kind of feel for her like okay yeah, you i could see why you would want to get rid of these awesome powers you have um to to kind of just be a normal kid and that kind of just all goes through um all of that up until the point where you're fighting those weeping angel type mannequin creatures that are you know when you don't look at them they start coming at you um so i thought that was really fun to go through and kind of shepherd these mannequins and kind of keep an eye on them and be like okay i could turn this way for like just a few seconds, get done what I need to do and then turn back and watch them or kind of baiting them to go certain ways so you have an opening to get out while you're watching them. I thought that was really fun. And then eventually, you know, you get shrunk down Alice in Wonderland style and you have these giant dolls coming at you. And I think one of the most gruesome deaths are when those little dolls see you and they come rushing after you, especially when there's a group of them and they're just stabbing you uh, to death. That You know, that that was pretty gruesome. Um, But, yeah, going through all that was really fun. I had a good time with that and up until the point where you're getting chased. Um, But, yeah, I I overall like that sequence. But, you know, when it culminates into her going back into her childhood home and seeing all the memories uh, of her father, you know, things that she's seeing for the first time, I just thought that was like a really heavy emotional point that kind of. Uh, I think I think it's probably one of the most emotional moments in and sequences in any Resident Evil game, but it just really hammered home the whole psychology of that section. And then, you know, you get out of that and you finally fight Evelyn at the end of that. A uh, whole sequence, and it, it's just that ending, that the one-two punch of her finally learning about her dad through these memories, and then fighting Evelyn with her, with him, um, and seeing how powerful she is. I thought was a really good sequence. I think it just starts slow with the puzzles and ends with a bang, and then you know kicks you off into the third act um, where you, where you're gonna finish the story. So yeah, I, I think it's it's a great act two to the DLC, and I thought it was my easily my favorite part of the whole game.
0: Okay, so we're going to go into story now in terms of the story, characterizations, notes that you may have discovered in the game, as well as uh, the ending and, and thoughts on that and how you felt about that. So I'm going to start off with Austin.
3: Alrighty. Back to me, I guess. Let me just pull it up. How about the feel of the story about the characters within Shadow of Rose? Um, the story and the characters, I, I mean, you start off with, you meet one of the characters, I can't remember his name because she's barely in it, and um, you, you don't really get introduced to many characters, you just learn more about Rose and the dealings she has at school and how she feels, and you get, ah, okay. K nine it's sorry because he was never there. that is true. He was never there, yeah, and um he's one of Chris's men, if I believe that is correct, and that's cool and all. It's just that he was an illusion the entire time, which is kind of kind of crazy, but also makes some sort of sense how they explain the megamycene and stuff. like the story, I would say is good if you uh is good, it's just that there's just a lot of like okay plot holes that they try to fill in at the end you're like okay I guess that makes sense but um I like I like Rose as a character I thought you know you think she's like this kind of snobby bratty girl but you learn throughout playing the entire games that she's like been mistreated by others uh she's been like subjugated to like prejudice because of her mold abilities and people don't understand what she's going through and you sort of like sort of feel sympathy towards her, and, and it makes sense because like this is Ethan's daughter, like she doesn't deserve this kind of stuff. Like she lost her dad, died protecting her and saving her, and she's left these powers. And very early on that I learned, I found out that I was like Michael's probably Ethan. Just the way that he, he's talking to her, the way that he expresses it, I found it really funny how Michael would say some things like here, this and this. And the, and their banter between each other was actually pretty uh, sweet all in all. And uh, you just, you know, like the, the, the reverse Duke, like evil Duke. I thought he was interesting. They just didn't do much with him. I was like, oh, that's a bit of a shame. Like I would have like either fought him or just learned why is the Duke, this evil creature, is it based around a different, like, a different side of him. Is it him? Like I would love to more, know more about the background lore between the, this world and the others. But all in all I really liked it. I mean like Miranda showed up again which I thought was cool because even though Miranda was this like really hidden like antagonist throughout the game of the original, it's cool that she was just, like she still had some influence in trying to get her Eve back. I was like, damn, this is some like Parasite Eve type of like storyline going on here. And the fact that she had to, you know, uh, Rose had to, it was a thing created by Miranda. I guess it was. Like, I, d- I remember reading the notes, and it's just a little hard uh, connecting the dots. But all no, I like Rose as a character, I thought she was actually a pretty fun protagonist, especially with Michael slash Ethan, the duo I thought was really cute and fun to go play with. I thought the story was fine. I thought it helps uh, showcase why she accepted her powers and that the ending showcased. I was like, oh, now it makes sense why we had this ending to the original game. Oh, no, I thought the story and the characters were fun. Um, There's some characters I should have done more with, but it didn't really hurt the game overall. It didn't hurt the DLC overall, which there was more, but I'm fine as it was, so that's all I have, really.
6: Next up is Shadow. It's your turn.
1: So, when as I mentioned a little bit early on, like I, I think there's two ways to take the uh, sort of the more storyline of it. Obviously, it's meant to tie into the original game, and obviously, which was already being hinted at originally uh, with the ending for Village. I think that as a kind of self-contained sort of project, as, as I said, I think it delivered generally on what it needed to do um you know with, with rose uh you know obviously she's um kind of resentful of uh her ability she thinks it makes her sort of different she's come to accept them gets offered a chance to get rid of them which is what she's wanted and so she jumps on it and then we later find out that it was all a, a trick from uh, miranda to try and you know lure it back into uh, the mega my seat stuff um and obviously then from there, it delves, you know, into an exploration of herself about the things that haunt her. Um, you know, the regret that her, her, she doesn't get to see her father. Um, and I will say that the part where you revisit the uh, the old household from her she's kid, she's like seeing her, these old memories, I think was actually definitely somewhat touching. Um, and uh, that was probably my like, my highlight of the game was, you know, her breeding the lesser and, like, you know, that's really, really sweet. Um, I do slightly worry that there are some parts of the story that maybe are... when you kind of delve into it, are kind of a bit... I um, don't necessarily have a lot of closure. Uh, the whole Mega My Seat thing, for example, like, basically everything that was happening was largely an illusion. So although we had like, this, this fight with uh, Miranda, for example, you know, does that actually have any lasting impact? Like, is she actually dead? Or if we just kind of destroyed a simile of her? you know you could probably go both ways on that but i think on the on the the, the main plot points of you know her exploration of her relationship with her father um i mean so getting that moment um definitely definitely delivered um and even just uh, you know some of the ancillary stuff of the um uh the ancillary stuff of like the uh, the the Rose clones and the reasoning for that and why the Duke uh, exists and the fact that it's not actually him. Um, you know, it's self-contained. You know, you're left kind of trying to guess what it is going on for a lot of the time. Um, and you finally manage to get that um yeah, that resolution of that story once you kind of have the lore dive towards the back end explaining what Miranda was doing and why she was doing it. So I think in that respect it, it totally delivered. Um, you know, and I, as I said, I would have no complaints story
6: wise. Um, That's all.
0: All Alright, so Dev, it's your turn.
6: I personally
4: think the whole story and the lore within this DLC is the strongest point of this, you know, obviously the DLC. And if you got obviously for people who don't know, like, I mean, I really delve into this uh, lore behind the whole seat, um, Mother Miranda's plan and why she was using it or how she was using it, how she came about, like discovering it. Right. And like how this led through like over a hundred year, kind of like, you know, I would say step-by-step kind of progression or evolution where you finally end up with rose right mother miranda's experiments with the megamyces ends up like you know helping like create evelyn right because she gave the um a sample of the mold uh to the connections which is a crime syndicate right within resident evil and they create evelyn Hence, evelyn you know infected rose's you know parents and whatnot and and ethan and then in the end we get rose and this in a way yes it's like a self-contained story but i feel like if if you put in the grand scheme of the whole like mold megamyc and all that like it it finally kind of makes a really good sense in a way it kind of gives you like a great you know structured like okay how the megamyc really truly works and how this this background or this um, backbone helps kind of explain like what you see with rose right because for those who you don't know, it's that the main premise of the Michomyces, the its ability to kind of like, uh what do they call it? Like absorb the information of those who passed away within this proximity, right? Hence, that's why we kind of have like the settings of like the Beneviento or like, you know, the Demetresque where like all those like scattered memories of Miranda and all that, like it's being put together in front of us. And it's kind of like, like you guys said, it's like a whole big hallucination, right? Um... And in terms of story, uh, like story-wise, where Rose was the like you know the one exploring through all this like you know like uh, these events, it's kind of like it's. I really liked it. I mean, it's nice that. We get to see from her perspective of how things were, especially with her powers, right? Because, like, she literally is the culmination of what you could probably say, like, is the best version of somebody who was infected with a mold, right? I mean, yes, there is Mother Miranda who was able to show powers and whatnot, shapeshift and whatnot. But, I mean, even um, even she did mention that Rose is the legitimate, perfect vessel for her daughter, Ava. And she sees how powerful Rose truly was, and it's just great to see it from Rose's point of view and how things were playing out. Um, I forgot who mentioned it as we were going through the story. Like, there was this, like, I think story-wise, it really did, uh, it really did hit deep in terms of trying to get you into that kind of emotional state where it's like while wow, like you go through ethan's memories inside their o- old home right and you go through every little section and you um you go through every little item and you and you can hear ethan's voice and whatnot and then at the end you see rose's reaction to all of this finding out like how her father like really loved her and all that like i feel like it was it's really compelling and it was really really nice to see that especially after knowing the background of the story with rose it's kind of like you know it's kind of it's a great moment for her uh even though she went through all this stupidness of being you know being treated really badly by her peers it's that fact that somebody this whole time was who i like really loved her with an obviously ethan and on top of this i like the whole dynamic how they played with evelyn during that section because like here you are having a great like you know great moment with like you know memories of your father but then you have evelyn just literally just pop out right behind you and, like, just absolutely hates Rose, right? Because she literally sees Rose as a way, kind of, like... She's projecting her own insecurities in a way that, like... she That was supposed to be kind of her, like, life in a way. Like, she was the one who was supposed to be special, but instead, you know, she was seen as this just regular bioweapon that's been, like, mishandled, right, in Resident Evil 7. Now, seeing her in the Megamyce and all these hallucinations, kind of, like, you can see how that culmination it's being projected towards Rose and how she treats her, right? Um, um Beyond that, like, uh, I agree with, uh, like, a lot of uh, what you guys said before. I mean, like, I like uh, how Mother Miranda is, like, reintroduced and kind of, like, gives more files or, like, research notes more in, like, in regards to the Megamycete. And besides that, I mean, yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed the story.
0: Okay, so it's my turn. Um i i like this plot i'm not gonna lie i think deva brought it up like best where he mentioned that really emotional moment at the end where ethan finally talks to her and reveals like you know how he loved her and everything and they were talking and he was like sitting there dying i i i thought that was really well done because um once again if you went from village to this game then you'll understand that when rose grew up she never really had her parents with her her real biological parents i I think they say in the story that mia lost custody and then ethan obviously died so it was only chris being there when she needed someone the most and even then it wasn't her biological dad so um there's the bullying that they had which is once again very serious topic uh kind of reminded me a bit of silent hill with uh alessa gillespie And she was getting like all bullied and stuff like that. And uh, Rose was experiencing some of the same trauma. So, um, you know, I I can see they tried to do the stepping stones of another tragic protagonist, uh, which I didn't mind. I I don't mind Resident Evil having like differing flavors from uh, tragic protagonists to people that are super agents that could suplex stuff like Chris or Leon. Uh, So it's always different flavors. Uh, This... Definitely gave more context to the village ending because, at least as far as you know, uh, Ethan and Rose did have that conversation before he sort of just passed on. And then you can see that the Megamyce still has the conscious uh, still up. So he's really not gone anywhere if he's walking beside the car. I, I did think though it was a little bit disappointing in the fact that you don't really get any teases or hints at all to what's next which is something that goes into the next question but um, they they really just gave you the previous ending with more context and it's, it's, it's fine but if you're yearning for more if you're seeking more then you're probably not going to get it with this DLC with the end cutscene. but for what they differ, characters and and story and lore, uh, it was pretty fine for the most part. Although, like I said, I knew something was up. I knew something was gonna go down in the Megamite seat when they said that people can, uh, impart themselves and other people after they passed away. So I was expecting Ethan and Evelyn to show up. It's only a matter of time, and I, I felt like since those two kind of passed on, and that Rose was quote-unquote the living embodiment of the perfect molded it was gonna happen sooner or later that's why i saw through the michael thing with um the notes on the wall and i was like okay there's no way this random guy is like just trying to guide her out of this experience it has to be ethan um the, the survival instincts just made it like super obvious throughout the plot as for Miranda coming back, like I said, I, I, I kind of expected that as well. It it kind of just sucks, though, on one half where it's like those are the only two lords that really came back, like Miranda and, of course, um the Duke. And honestly, he, he, he was in the story for a bit, and then he just sort of, like, dropped off. Uh, so I was hoping, like, maybe we would see some more twisted amalgamations of them actually in the plot but uh you know like maybe moreau or something or, or seeing donna a little bit more because she was heavily underrepresented in the main game uh although i take what i can get because what's there is honestly good uh and it was fine you know having <laughs> i don't know if we talked about this part but there was like these crazy god powers and rose using like trees to impel miranda and i was like um you know this is super dumb but this is the greatest thing ever uh so once i was doing that i was like i'm I'm just doing these super like kamehameha tree bark impalements to this woman and it's fantastic uh so i definitely got satisfaction out of it uh but yeah you and and michael as well like um he was just it was just way too out there to say hey this is definitely ethan 100 percent um and the same thing for K as well. Like, I knew he was, something was weird. At first it was weird. People were saying he was Chris. I was like, no, I don't believe that. They're not going to show Chris until, like, much, much later. Not even in this game yet, in terms of him being old and in the other timeline. But uh, still, like I said, it, it leaves unanswered questions. But in terms of enjoyment and your sheer enjoyment of Villager's story as a continuation, I really appreciated it. 100%. So I will pass the baton to Debtman.
5: I didn't agree with everybody else. I mean, it was a, it was a great little, kind of fun side story. Um, I did, <laughs> you know, the the whole Michael being Ethan thing. I mean, that's that's pretty obvious. I think within like the first one or two things that he said, I was like, oh yeah, that's Ethan. Especially because if you think about how it is in the lore. You know, she's in the Megamycete, and the Megamycete absorbs, like, everyone's essence whenever they die. So, I mean, the only person that we would know of that would help her is Ethan. But it was still nice to see that, you know, kind of in a weird beyond-death type thing, he still got to spend time with and save his daughter, Uh, just especially as, you know, somebody who is a parent seeing all of that is it just hit me it hit me really hard especially when she went to the house and got to see all of their mementos and see how much ethan cared about her it was it was just great um overall i mean i i don't hate that mother miranda is the you know is the villain again especially because we got our our dragon ball z fight at the end <laughs> Um, But it would have been kind of nice to see something new done with it. But you know, I I liked Mother Miranda in the main campaign, so seeing her again wasn't a huge bother for me. I I like her and her story. Um, and then just kind of beyond everything else that's been said, I don't think I have anything additional to add other than just I really liked the the father and daughter and closure aspect. It it was kind of odd that we didn't get to see anything from any of the other you know main cast during the future I did think it was kind of neat that the story got tied up you know the the end of Resident Evil 8 is where the DLC ends because originally I thought the DLC was going to be after that specific point but it was kind of neat to see that it just looped back around to now we have
6: context Zemzar, what about you
2: yeah, I, I really like the story uh with this one and I liked how it tied up the Ethan Winners and just the Winners family saga um really nicely uh while potentially setting up some other things. Um so it answered a, a good bit of questions um with the Mega and the Mutamycete, and like people have said before how it works and um, what the goal is for that. Like, why are they even doing this? And, and it kind of answered that question. It's going in and it's stealing memory, memories um, and you can kind of relive those so you can kind of see where that would be beneficial in, you know, military tactics or any sort of kind of weapons of war kind of situation. You know, obviously that's what Umbrella and everything This that's what everything is building to. That's why they do what they do. It's, you know, weapons of war, but they're bioweapons. So um it was kind of cool to get an answer on that and a kind of definitive look at what that could be through Rose like that is necessary like that could be um maybe not necessarily what they're going for but something that happens out of their research of this mutamycete you know you get these powers to control it um so that might be beneficial for them to have and you kind of see how Rose is still you know has been kind of exploited her whole life and kind of talked down on her whole life because of what she has, um... with these powers, um... you know, with the school kids, um... with the way K and the other agents treat her, you can kind of see that they, you know, they see her differently. They kind of see her as a tool, not a person. Um... which, you know, would be crushing as a teenager or, you know, a young adult. So... um, it's kind of cool to see that perspective and then you understand why she would want to get rid of those. And then she ultimately realizes that, you know, these powers are are something that she would want to keep and hold on to because she could do more good with them than without. Um, So she has that turn at the end where, where she finally says, you know, I'm going to hold on to these powers. I'm going to keep this, you know, smashes the crystal and goes on. Um, So, you know, it's, it's kind of, One of those things where you're like, oh, cool. Like she had this turn. She learned something about herself. But at the same time, it's like your dad just went through all of this, you know, for you. Um, to save you to make your life better um, and also guided you through all of this because he thought you wanted to get rid of your powers and then at the end, at the very end you have uh, this decision where you are like oh i'm not doing that anymore like you could have avoided all this if you just kept it from the beginning but you know she has to go through that to learn that um through, go through everything she did in the game to, to learn that about herself so um kind of frustrating on that end um but i'm kind of glad that they didn't show chris uh, or bring him into this they kept it within the winters family they didn't bring anybody from outside of just the these past three games, these main characters, in these past three games into the DLC, um, which kept it really focused and, and on Ethan and his relationship with Rose, and more so Rose's relationship with Ethan, uh, not growing up with a, a father. And um, like we've said before, you know that that sequence in the house is easily one of the most emotional and impactful moments in, in a Resident Evil game. I know my chat was like talking about people cutting onions in their house, like they they didn't, you know, we didn't expect that from a Resident Evil game. So um, it was a nice change of pace. It was cool to see that okay, you know, in the Resident Evil universe, you can have these emotional moments, and they don't come off as like cringy or cheesy. Um, they they come off really well when when done right. So. Uh, I'd like to see more of that in Resident Evil 9, um, but yeah, I, I overall enjoyed the story. I enjoyed all the little tidbits of information we got from the notes and everything, and um, why we learned what, you know, why Rose was valuable, why people were after Rose, um, and what they wanted to do with her, um, whether that's save her or use her for their own ends. So yeah, ultimately, I, I thought it was a really well done story, and um excited for what's next.
0: Okay, so we're going to move on to an extension of the story question here, and honestly, it's talking about uh, any additional thoughts on people thinking about why there wasn't any RE9 questions addressed in the plot line, and how do you feel about it, and uh, if so, what do you think they could be leading? I'll start off with Austin first.
3: All right. Uh, additionally, what were your thoughts on Capcom? Not answering any Resident Evil 9 questions in this plotline. Um, I think mainly because they wanted to wrap up the Winter Saga first. And because apparently just Resident Evil 9 is either not going to do with any of them or will hardly reference them. They're not the main focus for sure. And, and the, what is considered the final number title is what they're claiming, which... I can see it being the final one, but we'll see when it actually comes around. I do feel like, though, that um they're not ready to, uh like, showcase anything. of nine. I think 9 is still, like, all oh, ways away. Like, we still got Resident Evil 4 Remake to get through. We still have possibly other uh side titles that they want to dish out. Maybe some other DLC. Who knows? But, um... I don't think we'll be seeing Resident Evil 9 to, like, any of any information about it, either at the end of 2023 or beginning of 2024. But that's how I see it, since uh, Resident Evil 9 is probably going to be, like, one of their biggest games they're going to make in a while. Like, I'm not saying all their other games were not big, but this one's probably going to be, like, their biggest title to date, is, a, is how I would say it. But, um... I don't have anything against it. I... Rather focus on what they, were try- what they said they were focusing in the first place was is that this is the Winter's Saga. This is the final, this is the nail in the coffin to this, and we're just going to give them a nice send off. And it, it is up to the future to see if they are referenced or not. And I'm fine with that, really.
0: Shadow Buddy, what do you think about this?
3: Yeah, so I
1: have speculated plenty on a few of these podcasts about Resident Evil Nine, um, about what I think it's gonna involve, um, and the direction I think it's gonna take. The t r d r being that it ultimately has absolutely nothing to do with Shadows of Rose, um, and I I think that was the purpose of this. This is this was really kind of not had. Does it only have any purpose trying to build towards Resident Evil Nine? Um, you yeah, know that wasn't the goal. I think the target here was simply just to you know you had the storyline that that spawned out of nowhere, and I don't really believe when Resident Evil Seven was made that there was this intention. I don't think that they were going to end up going this far down this route. I honestly don't think that was the intention, but I don't know. Um, so I think there's a practical side of it that I don't think there was any intention for this to have anything to do with the upcoming Resident Evil 9. Uh, I think there's also possibility the case that they might not be 100% sure what direction they want to take with 9. Resident Evil 9 is a long way ahead, um, you know, so there is, there's no need for them to necessarily commit themselves to do something, uh, which they then decide later on that oh, actually, maybe this isn't a direction we want to take, you know, storyline or plotline-wise. Um, but then they've already laid the market, so they're kind of going back on it. So I think there's a little bit of protection on their own side for that as well. So that might just be being cynical. Um, I mean, and I think also at the end of the day, if this did have, you know, all these sort of things, like, oh, this these up to Resident Evil 9, does, does that make this better? Does this make this a more complete DLC that it has all these things are, that are clearly leading up to the next game? I don't. I don't really think that it does. I don't think it makes any any difference either way. I don't think it's a prerequisite, um, and I don't think it has it doesn't have to lead into the next game. Which, you know, when are we going to see Resident Evil Nine? We're not gonna. We're not seeing it this year. Uh, we're not seeing it next year, most likely. So it's going to be a long time till we see it. And if you had left all these little lead in tidbits on this this DLC for this game, like in a year, eighteen months, two years time, are you going to remember any of this? I don't think so. So, I get why some people may have been expecting it, but I I never went into this at all expecting anything like that. Um, Maybe the only thing was maybe a slight bit of extra closure on who the the individual is um, that walks up to the car at the end, which we see again at the end of the DLC. Which, um, you know, if you're not aware who it is, go look it up. It's, you know, and and I don't know if it means anything or they just use the same model. I I don't know. That's nothing for me to work with, but. There's no need to get angry about it. It's fine, kids. We'll learn more about it as we go. It, it wasn't necessary, and I don't think it would have made the game any better if you'd thrown all this stuff in. Um, I think if anything, it's just kind of hamstrings and further down the line because they've got all these little markers that they have to follow up on. At least now they've got a nice, fresh blank slate to work with, which I think is what they're going to need for um, this big coming, this full circle going around
6: uh, finishing Resident Evil 9. That was your turn. if he can hear us oh no well i guess i can go next
0: so uh this is okay i i bought this up because i saw there were people sort of mad about this in the re community uh saying that's you know it's a crime they didn't show more of, of what happens later on and, and stuff like that and and you know i, I kind of get where it's coming from because like you know just a little sneak peek and and, and stuff like that i i, I get it but uh, i do agree with what most people are saying where they said we don't know what direction this game is going in because this is quote unquote rumor to be a re game that is going to be the longest in development with all the titles they had previously before it so if that is true I am really not expecting to see this until like maybe 2024 or something like that like I, I think that game is going to be that far off Uh, late 2024 maybe 2025 because they have the monumental task of needing to clear up the stories with all the main leads maybe some of the side leads and uh explaining what in the hell has happened and, and i i would agree like what i'm gonna say next that's a more of a technicality on capcom's part where they sort of introduced this idea that yes we're gonna jump 16 years into the future um I do think part of that they like well not even part just a lot of it they have to talk about like what happened to the world in these 16 years what occurred uh with the characters in this time jump uh people change a lot during that time or are they going to address any of that so it's a lot of question marks brought to the table I think this is equivalent to and I said this on uh, other podcasts before equivalent to when they decided to put viruses on the black market as a way to fill in more blanks and uh, add a means to have the series continue uh, further down the road once like Wesker was dead or something. It's like a contingency plan. That being said, uh, so so it's not like if they have that in play, it's not like they don't know what they're doing. Uh, But I do think they wanted the sole focus to be on Rose. They wanted to focus on Rose. And I told someone in this live stream, like not too long ago, that when I really think about it critically, I don't think they could have crammed all of that into a four-hour DLC. Because if they decided to shoehorn some stuff in, then more people are going to be asking questions as opposed to a full-fledged game. So I was like... If they were to do something like that, they might as well make like a standalone, uh, full game, and it has to be like 10 20 hours, and even that wouldn't be enough. Like, why not just put all that resource to RE9? So, uh, I totally get it after looking at the bigger picture, and I think those answers are going to come soon. Um, I'm not sure about sooner than later, but. Uh, RE9 is definitely going to be a game far far away we already have like more supplemental content like RE4 remake so there's going to be a lot to play I I think there's also probably going to be another RE game that releases in the back half of 2023 because I think Capcom might know that this game is going to take a long time and they have other projects as well so uh, they can't just be 100% beholden to RE uh, rushing that game out in 2023 so I think it's coming out 2023 for uh that is my opinion for now i'm gonna see if deva's back deva are you back are you alive
4: yeah i'm here. okay so okay so we're talking about additional things and thoughts on on capcom not answering resident evil 9 ah uh, gosh it's like i kind of touched on this with uh, my take from earlier or it's like they say it was already the end of the winter saga but is it really though i mean especially with that last cliffhanger right like why give us that you know what i mean like why not give us an if if it was the end of the winter saga why end it with even with the rose dlc why end it with the exact same ending from resident evil village why not give us an extra cutscene to kind of see like, okay, well, this is the aftermath after Rose learns about, you know, what's going on with, you know, with herself or like inside the Megamyce and her dad really was there for her this whole time. <clears throat> Not only that, I mean, there are things that need to be played out too. Like, you know, I mean, the whole BSAA situation, right? I think that BSAA going bad is a great plot that needs to be delved in i mean even from chris's point of view by the end of resident evil village what was the last thing he did or say right like he wanted to go back to BSAA headquarters in europe right like that was the whole point you're like okay well great we're gonna see what what's going on like why are they using bioweapons i mean is this all set up for resident evil 9 possibly but the thing is though it's so entangled with the whole you know Buy weapons with chris and then there's rose and this whole timeline of like the span of 16 years i mean like is it's becoming a bit convoluted to kind of like you know our, and not only that does that mean that like resident evil 9 will play on beyond the after 16 years where, where we played as rose i mean i think that would be the only way to go about it because i mean it can't be in between because it's like okay well wouldn't if something so significant whatever happened i mean we already knew that chris is still alive right because when we were playing with um playing as rose so it's like okay well now we know chris is still alive so whatever plot they have mean you know, playing on chris might die is like that's dead that's gone already right so it's like and then we hear about like additional rumors about resident evil 9 i mean about like uh oh my god I i forgot which who mentioned it before but it was like, you know, it was a plot that was going to focus kind of like on like, like the Wendigo kind of like, you know, I'm not sure. Please don't like, you know, I might be completely wrong on this, but I thought that was mentioned. And I thought that kind of like approach to Resident Evil going more into the supernatural. I mean, don't, as a horror fan, I would love it. I could see where the majority of Resident Evil fans may take in like somehow or might might have some reservations in regards to that. So with Capcom being really quiet and we know for a fact that most likely it is in development and has been in development for the last couple of years. I mean, uh, I mean, it's really hard to tell like which direction they're going to go. Are they going to go more horror? Or are they going to go back to the traditional Resident Evil using bioweapons, viruses, new species, and all that? Like, are they going to go that route? You know, it's just it's just really hard to tell right now.
0: But other than that, that's it. Okay. Deadman, your turn. What do you think about the lack of RE9 stuff? How do you feel about it? Sorry about that. I was having some trouble unmuting.
5: Oh, no, it's fine. Um, so- I mean, I'm not super bothered by it. I would much, I much rather prefer writing that leans into, you know, we can kind of have this closed off, this, you know, close ended narrative and then leave it kind of open for another thing rather than leave it on a cliffhanger. So, and especially considering Capcom doesn't really seem like they fully know the direction of what's going to go or what's going to happen next. And just by how there's been no word of anything from Resident Evil 9, you know, for the most part, um, I'm not super bothered by how it ends here. I'm not super crazy on the time skip, as with most people. Um, So I'm kind of hoping that it gets a pin in it. So, like, we leave this end of the story until, like, Resident Evil, let's just say 10 or 11 or whatever side story that they have. Um, so that way we can still kind of work our way up to that point in the actual timeline, and then the end of 8 will converge with wherever wherever else in the timeline the 16 years would go. Because, I mean, I don't completely hate the time skip, but as far as that big of one, it definitely is weird from any kind of standpoint, considering that Capcom has never done anything like that with Resident Evil. I mean we get a few years here and there but never anything like 16 that's that's way too much especially considering that by that point I think all of the you know the OG characters are going to be in their 50s or pretty damn close to pushing their 60s and not saying they can't be a badass at that age I mean take a look at Isaac Clarke he's like 50 by the time Dead Space 3 rolls around and he's still kicking ass but just to have that much of a gap where we don't know anything about our main characters is extremely odd. Um, so mostly, I'm just kind of hoping that they they don't pro- the, that Resident Evil Nine doesn't proceed from that 16 year mark. I hope that I hope that they take some time to build up other stuff to that point in the timeline before they commit to to the 16 year jump. Otherwise, it's There's no
6: telling how 9 or anything beyond is gonna look. All right, Zanzara, it
0: is your turn.
2: Yeah, I think it's fine. Um, much like everybody else said here, I, I think if they tried to get into too much what happens after the Winter Saga, after the time jump, it's just going to be a bloated mess. It needed to be focused on Rose and that relationship with her and Ethan. It didn't need to be any more than that. We weren't getting a Resident Evil Nine, so why do we even need to talk about it? I'm glad that they didn't include much from Chris um, during that t- during the or at all during the DLC, I should say, um, There's, but it sets up 9. I think if they jump off from here and go into 9 right after the final events where Rose gr- drives off uh, with those two agents, um, I, I think that would be a good setup. Um, I've said it before, I, I think it should. Resident Evil 9 should be the end of the story for these main characters if they really are wanting to go that anthology route. Um, but I think there is an opportunity to um, for Chris and Rose to have something have between them where, you know, Chris sacrifices himself either for her or for the quote unquote greater good, whatever that may be. And then bring in some other older characters um, for the duration of nine and kind of wrap up their story, um, you know, maybe. Rose is a little bit guarded, doesn't trust these characters, Um, whether I I think they should bring Jill back. I think they should bring Claire back for the last game um, since they were there for the beginning and we haven't really seen much from them uh, in recent years. And I think it does set up that kind of launching point for that. They could go a completely different direction and completely say, "Okay, we're not worrying about the Winter Saga um, at all. You know, that's said and done. We're going to start completely fresh and dive into some other territory. But I I think it would be I I think the Winter stuff has been so popular for them not to include some of it in um, in Resident Evil nine would would be a big disservice um, to fans of that. So. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't think it could have uh, done any better. Um, and uh, I, I'm fine with them not including Resident Evil 9 stuff in there. They they don't need to do that. They didn't need to do that. And I'm glad they didn't.
0: I agree 100%. Uh, it, it just, it is one of those things where it's like the game needs to be massive. And I, I don't think a DLC is enough to hold all that story content. That's why when someone asked me that, I'm like... Now that I think about it, you know, I don't think four hours is enough to explain all that. It would have to be much, much longer, and uh, that was not the best idea in the end. Uh, So we're moving on to the next question. Has anyone else played the new Mercenaries mode and the new updates that they established before I move on so I can make this faster? Mm, Not really. (laughs) silence in the room okay i guess it was only me so actually i did play mercs okay so i'm gonna go first and then i'm gonna let you go austin uh to give your opinion and then we'll move to the next one uh so i've played with the new characters which is chris redfield um you know heisenberg and lady d uh i'm gonna start with chris chris is a powerhouse i i love him uh the fact that he can just do falcon punches to people uh is super great you know he can stomp i've noticed his, his guns are pretty basic you know you got the drag on and then you have you know the the pistol but you can upgrade everything as natural uh but his thing is he has onslaught so onslaught is where you build his meter up and then once his meter is full he can run faster and he can do more damage uh when punching enemies and 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 that's what i kind of comboed that with with auto onslaught and and just punching everything in sight like i was doom guy um it's one of the most thrilling experiences ever to go through mercs with chris redfield just punching the shit out of everything and uh i had a lot of fun with that i've only played a little bit with lady d but for the most part, I'm, I'm trying to understand all our weapons, but I guess it's funny to throw a throne chair at the enemies and see them explode, and they take, like, about 6,000 damage, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. Um, She's super... Again, you know, she's tall as a, a goddamn tree in the sky. So because of this, you kind of have to press the crouch button to get through doors, which I thought was kind of cute <laughs> because it's like she's she's got to be from... S- like eight feet tall the six to fit in any of these doorways so that makes perfect sense uh when fighting the enemies uh the same claw attacks come in you can just slice people up she has like some sort of bloodlust uh she can shoot like the, the bees from from the daughters is it's essentially that but she has like a giant cigarette lighter that does that or whatever and she shoots the bees at the people uh i i didn't play with her for long but she was entertaining she was fun and heisenberg is just basically you know thor on steroids he has his hammer uh you can electrify it you can also like go around and shoot saw blades of people, make them ricochet with the particular skills in the game. Uh, I I just think that playing this mode in particular, it is a nice quality of life from just playing as Ethan, where he has basic weapons. Uh, these people have abilities; they can do things. They can summon like giant robots to knock into people and explode, like Heisenberg. So, it felt like a welcome addition because the game was just. Bare bones and lacking with mercenaries compared to how it originally was in Resident Evil Village So it's much appreciated. I have not played the harder stages, but uh, so far it's fun Annihilating the daughters uh, the lady D daughters with like a giant hammer So if you want a little bit of euphoria a little bit of fun I would fully recommend it just beat all the stages with the s-rank in order to get all the characters. That's how you unlock them
3: So now it's Austin's turn uh, yeah, pretty much everything that Ren said is pretty much true. Um, I played a lot of Chris, so I thought he was the out of all the the additional characters, I think he was the most fun to play just because you could just sucker punch nearly every creature in the game. You can make a build around just punching things and only shooting when you need to, and it becomes you just become just a brawler, you just become like a street brawler, just boom, 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 boom. And you can just level up your punches enough to where you'll, like, instantly kill everything with one punch. and It's, it's really fun. Um, Heisenberg and Lady D, their they're gimmicks are weird, but they, they are, they're still fun. It's a little bit harder to make a build off, some, off of something, because all their abilities work well with each other. Where Chris is like, you can just do punches only and you'll be fine. With Lady D and Heisenberg, you kind of need to mix up and match your skills and your abilities to have it uh, be successful in getting like, high scores and such, and dealing with certain enemies. But overall, yeah, the additional orders is really fun. It definitely beats... freaking playing Ethan, who has bare bones stuff, and then when you play Madhouse or... Uh, Night- ...Village of Nightmares or whatever it is, like the harder version of the levels where he only has a grenade launcher... And something else and you're just like how do you even play these levels with these weapons so thankfully you have chris with his dragoon and his pistol which are both really good guns with super powerful up close abilities and you can just increase your speed yeah it's it's very lame to buy all of his stuff back and just you know the other characters completely blow ethan like you just Ethan, you can just sit in the corner, let Chris and the freaking bad dogs of the house do this. It's it's ridiculously fun. Even though I wish they would have added more to Ethan, like maybe he had some like bold powers, something to give him a little bit more extra oomph to where you can replay him more and just have him. It's just a lot easier time because playing those harder levels as Ethan, you need to look at a walkthrough or a guide to get like the best rank. But yeah. Honestly, the additional orders makes Mercs really fun and people should play it if you have the DLC.
0: Yep, that that's what I would say. I would suggest it. It's a fun time, Uh, just as I said before. I, I was also confused on how to unlock everybody, but once again, if you get an S rank on each stage, then I think you just get everybody. So that's how... Because at first I had Chris only. I'm like, where, where the fuck is the other two characters? And then I was like, oh, okay, I have to do all of this with the s rank and then i get everybody but it's it's totally worth it I, I would say uh it's a lot better than the original mercs where ethan only has a handgun and, and hard mode and that's it uh so yeah we're going to now move on to the next question and that's basically the other update that they had in this which was the third person campaign uh being implemented in resident evil village so Has anyone had any hands-on time with this? We'll start off with, once again, Mr. Austin.
3: Alrighty. Uh, Honestly, I have not gotten a chance to play third person, so there's not much I can say. I've seen people play it, and I've seen aspects of it, and it looks cool. I know some animations don't look right. Like, I know they had to redo a lot of animations with the camera movements to make it look fluid. But there's some things that I know that don't, look right but all in all it's an okay change of perspective and it's worth the playthrough. i wouldn't say play it on fucking the village of nightmares whatever the hardest difficulty but it's definitely worth a shout i would say uh just personal viewing
0: okay fair enough fair enough uh if you haven't played it then we could just skip and go to the next person uh shadow what about you while I've not physically played it myself, I do have several observations of people
1: that have seen it. Um, I think it's very telling um, from a lot of you I've spoken to who have that it definitely changes how you interpret the game in regards to kind of how scary you find some things. Obviously, that's about a lot of the, the animation reworks. Um, but. Definitely, from sort of what I've seen as well, the game doesn't feel anywhere near quite as intimidating. I don't think, um, just because you have this over the shoulder and you have kind of like you feel you've got this better field of view, um, you know, a lot of enemies. You know, like when you're taking on like the the obviously like the werewolves, for example, they don't feel and they don't seem like anywhere near as kind of intimidating as like in first person when you're physically there and they're like right in front of you. Uh, which I think is kind of telling. And I think it gives you an idea of kind of how like the series as a whole has changed a bit as well. You think back to Resident Evil 7, for example. Um, you know, you think to like Jack Baker, who I still think was one of my favorite characters of the entire series. Uh, obviously he's a raving lunatic and he's completely insane and that's great but i think one of the other reasons that he's kind of very memorable for being scary is because it's like the first time you've been in this first person view so you know and you're kind of witnessing it almost like as yourself so it's one of the first things you see doing that as well so i think it goes to show like the difference just taking the camera out of the player from first to third person has this really big impact on how a lot of the rest of the game ends up getting interpreted. Um, and I think Village is a, is a good demonstration of that. I, I think, from what I've seen, the third player seems fine. It's a different way to experience it, but um, it's clearly it's clearly a different flavor from doing it how it was meant to have been originally.
0: Okay, so uh, I'm going to give my experience because I did play it for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, and I, I have... A couple of opinions on it. Like first and foremost, I do realize that some of the animations are weird, and and that's due to the rework. Um, the way Ethan holds the uh, Karma bit knife or whatever, the one that sort of curves like Sam Fisher's knife, uh, that animation with both his hands like spread out, that was a bit weird looking to see. But uh overall, after having hands on with it, I kind of agree with Shadow in the sense that. Because the depth of field is a bit more uh, fixed and wider, it's not that same sort of intimate up close. Here's a couple of werewolves out of your vision that could completely just hunt you down and and, and try to knock you out of sight. Uh, There's none of that going on. Uh, It feels something equivalent to like playing an RE2. Remake skin on top of Resident Evil Village, Uh, like once you play it you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about and sometimes it can look goofy for worse in terms of animations, and sometimes it could feel a lot better in terms of how it was i i would think it's in that okay median ground where this is nice this is sufficient it works uh but there is uh some problems with it like once again some of the tension just not migrating over too well some of the animations just looking a little bit funny like the one i mentioned and there's also the bits of just simply saying that of course uh it is it's it's one of those things where it's just like it's a nice uh quality of life touch and that's about it 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 won't do anything to like change your mind vastly on how the game is uh and i heard some speedrunners also say that uh It might be a little bit for worse because apparently some stuff with the shotgun, some strats you can't do anymore. But I I feel like that's par for the course for any sort of camera change or update massively to a game where they do things that you couldn't do originally anymore for speed running. Where it's like, oh, now it's different. I got to figure out something else. Um, So that's to be expected as well when you really think about it. But it's okay. It's it's not the... It could have been worse, definitely. Um... I'm positive that if you go back and you look at the original modded, uh, third-person cameras for Resident Evil Village uh, that the fans made, it's probably a lot more janky, um, than this. So at least Capcom had the forethought to fix some things, so I can't really fault them too much. Um, yeah, I would say check it out uh, whenever you get a chance. Just load up like a new game plus save and then go through it third person is going to feel a little bit weird, but you'll get used to it over time. Uh, So, has anyone else played third person for the most part? I have. Go ahead, Uh, give your opinion on it.
5: Alright, so, it, honestly for me, I kind of felt like it was disappointing. Like, I knew going in they weren't going to rework any of the cutscenes to reflect it. But it's really jarring to me just playing in third person and it just zooming in through the back of your head to do the first person cutscene like normal. Uh that was actually one of the things that kinda of turned me off about uh Deus X, the one on the PlayStation 3 originally, because half the time it's in first person and the other half it's in third. Um I, I feel like this should have been like a like a free update to it rather than a you know part of a paid dlc thing um it just it kind of seems like it was a little half baked in my opinion but like i i know they're not going to rework all the cutscenes in third person for that but it's still kind of disappointing that it feels a little jank in my opinion yeah i mean actually playing through it is great i mean i do like the the perspective of it i just i don't feel like it meshes with the actual game and how it was built shadows of rose on the other hand plays great in third person but the base game just doesn't
0: yeah it's like i said i i think it's okay but it's just one of those things where of course it's not going to be made for uh first person uh because they put in a new perspective uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't i i i feel like the opposite with stuff like evil within 2 where it's like it's made for third person but they implement it first person and i don't you know it, it, it's kind of gimmicky in a sense but it's just something where it's if you prefer it, you prefer it. I'm not I'm not going to say that I think uh one or or the other is superior because I've seen people get in those debates where it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm glad they finally put it in third person because there's people that really don't care about first. It's like, that's understandable. But then there's people that's like, they would pass it off as a bad game if it didn't have it. And I'm just like, I think Village was just fine for what it is. I could see if someone has something like motion sickness and they say, I, I just couldn't. Play the original game because I I felt this sort of uh, way and I I could not touch it now. It's like it's a little bit more refined to maybe those people if they want to pick it up and try it, but it's definitely some animation woes and it's definitely weirdness going on when you go from first to third, but uh you know overall um, nice attempt um i had a previous question where i said i don't know if they're going to implement first or third for re9 i would figure maybe this is the test bed experiment to do something like this but i had another question that's a little bit more interesting uh i was gonna write in the doc but i didn't have any time so i'm gonna answer it here and say here so for re9 who do you think should be the villain for that game in terms of the unused characters that they had or people they were building up, or should they go with someone new? Austin, I want you to go first.
3: Uh, you said, so, a villain they would use for RE9. Who should um, be the villain in your opinion? Who should be the villain? That's a really big one because um, RE9, because supposedly it's going to be the final one, so... And it's going to mostly probably tackle Chris going after the corruption in BSAA. Which I completely would want to... Because uh, it's hard to tell who is the head of BSAA uh, and the certain divisions. Because there's the North American one and there's the European one, if I remember correctly. It's like two different factions in one. I could be wrong about that. I could be right. I'm not sure. So if you had to make a villain, who would it be? Well, you might say it might be one of the BSA guys, which is quite possibly true because of just how Village ended. Um, If they were going to do a villain, though, I would say they they might have to do maybe one or two villains or antagonists to follow. There might be one with the connections and one with the corruption in BSA, or it could just be one entirely. I do not know, but... Yeah, it's hard to say who would be a villain. I would say it's going to be like a stereotype. Like, oh, it's going to be one of the BSAA, and then there's going to be Connection Guy. That's what I think. But if they want to surprise me, they can surprise me. I hope they do. But yeah, that's what I really have to say about that. Shadow,
0: what's your turn on this question?
6: Albert Wesker. Oh, oh! Oh, man. now, Now, I say that
1: to see what the response is. It's not the most absurd thing, is it? Like you could believe that they find a way to to bring him back into the series. You know he's still like one of the most notable, recognizable, and popular characters, um, still in the series. You know from all the sort of crossovers and bits and pieces that are going on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think they're going to do that. I think it's going to be someone original. But I think if they can think of a reasonably way ish to kind of cram it in and have him be involved in some form or another, I would not be shocked at all. This is Capcom, um, and this again goes into what I think ultimately re is going to be. It's going to be the series coming complete full circle, um, and it's going to be bringing in a lot of references from the past, uh, lots of story beats kind of being tied in. I still f- 100% believe that this could and should be Chris and Jill's uh, sign-off um, from the series, done with the main story. They can always turn up, maybe, if you carry on beyond that. Um, but I think for the most part of a lot of the stories and a lot of what's been going on Resident Evil, I think this should be the end point for that. Um, you know, And if you want to do stuff beyond Resident Evil 9, go for it. But I think this is the perfect chance to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, right, this is kind of over now um because the series has been kind of rolling ongoing for like 25 years or so at least um and it's been a lot has happened in that time and you've got a lot of characters that are still hanging around from the very start and it's like eventually you have to find closure for them so um but yeah i i think it'll be someone probably new or at least it'll start with someone new it'll be you know some higher up corporate sort of um in the in the whether it would be sort of Sims like Resident Evil 6 they had with um what's his face, you know, the uh the, the the guy, you know the guy, I can't think of his name. Fill fill it in for me please when you get there. I should remember this. I only did I only played the game like last month. Um but if I had to go for a uh, Simmons, Simmons, that's the one, thank you. Um but if I had to go for a slightly right field pick, Albert Wesker, and I wouldn't even say it's that ridiculous a name to throw out.
0: Okay, Deva, uh, How do you feel about all these implications being brought up? Uh, what is your opinion on this?
4: On who the last villain should, or what should happen in Resident Evil Nine, and who the last villain should be? Yep. I would say no, um, this is just gonna be me playing around, but I think it should be Wesker. But it's not the Wesker we're talking about, like, what we just talk about. I'm talking about, like, Alex Wesker. I don't know if you guys know or remember her from Resident Evil Revelations 2. You know, I mean, that storyline, I mean, that one also ended in the cliffhanger, right? I mean, what's going on? I mean, in that game, she pretty much or confirmed that she's taking over the mind or body of Natalia. So, and that was it. So, like And remember, like, yeah. You know, that event kind of coincided with the timeline of Resident Evil 6, so it's kind of like, all right. So what's going on now, you know? But besides that, yes, I come on a serious note. Actually, okay, I would say in, I would say I agree. I think that hmm, they should sign off, Chris. I don't know about Jill though, because we we haven't seen her in a while too. But yeah, I mean, some of these characters are getting kind of old. I mean, but if they're fan favorites i guess i mean they could stay but i mean i could see them like ending certain main characters but at this point in the resident evil series i mean yes the whole franchise has been going on for the greater part of the last two decades and from what capcom is seeing i mean there's a huge demand for it and i could still see it continuing on for much longer much longer time actually so they, they will find new ways to implement current characters and probably go you know m- you know make new characters and kind of like there's a new virus in town like we got to go deal with it and probably there's going to be a Wesker number two you know I mean doing the whole Neo Matrix kind of maneuvers I mean we just don't know but that's pretty much all I got to say I mean it's just really hard uh, hard to predict right now but once the one thing's for uh CERN as long as the demand for resident evils there and capcom seeing that their revenue is like okay well like a lot of people are like love this game love this franchise they're gonna still continue to you know pump out more and more in the future
0: oh okay so it's time for my wild bird brain theories um i who i will want as a villain now i i like all the wesker stuff they have a way to technically do it i mean people were making this theory like during re6 but when they had the c virus um it it wasn't like just the exact same person but again they did mold someone to be in the vein of ada wong in a sense and uh that was carla before uh she went absolutely crazy from that experiment so they try to copy someone in this series and they were successful in doing it with the c virus so i mean that could be ada wrong <laughs> that that could be one way that they could uh try to shoehorn that in i know from the reaction that i've seen when when that idea was first presented people said hey it's dumb is over the top but when hasn't already been like dumb over the top and uh Wesker came back after being stabbed in the chest so um, I mean it, it could be plausible in a sense if they want to bring in that ultimate like sort of fan fiction they could just do that uh, and that that would appease a lot of people I mean in DMC5 you know uh, they brought back Virgil so I, I don't I don't see why they wouldn't do something like that you know Capcom has done it several times uh, That being said, Alex Wesker is the main one. Uh, She has a lingering story thread present from Resident Evil Revelations 2, and they never really resolved that. Um, They mostly said, hey, now there's the implication that uh, Alex Wesker digitally imprinted her mind into this child, and she potentially could be immortal, so we've never had like, RE protagonists dealing with someone that's like can't be killed or or can't die or, or any premise like that so i'm wondering how would that go because um you know most of the bosses have been cannon fodder for the most part uh so it, this is like something different if they decide to introduce that element so that would be cool and and, and i and i said before that could be a full to rose as well if they want to introduce her as an npc or something like that because she has someone that cannot die um as for the rest, they they obviously have to, uh, make this grand and scale again. Uh, Capcom has said before that it's two things. I'm not sure if I brought this up already, but uh, it was mentioned that they feel like Resident Evil is getting to a point where it's very difficult to keep up with the timeline. Uh, so if this is the last like RE in the mainline timeline. I can totally see it from that statement alone, because they are saying, hey, this is this is a little bit too tough for us to keep up with. Uh, so that would correlate to the other rumor where it's like this is taking very long to develop for, which I, 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 I can see it, honestly, uh, because it's a lot of stories to clear up. But like I said earlier, they introduced the 16 year time jump and people mentioned wanting Jill back and stuff like that. So I this is my wild take. I don't think they should wrap up the 16-year time jump in this game. I feel like you have plenty of years in the past prior to that time jump that you could fill in stories, you could fill in the blanks, you could put in, like, a Revelations 3. What was what was a, a younger Jill doing in this time period uh, after all of the events of RE6 and all that stuff happened? You know what I mean? It's a lot of room for experimentation with the timeline. Um, and then... There's another thing they mentioned where it's like they want to make Resident Evil into an anthology series where it's a series of isolated events after RE9. Uh, The article does exist and it is out there uh, but if that's the case then what I believe is for story purposes this might be the end for the older characters and then for the anthology games they could simply make like newer games or or games that took place in the past beforehand um and still fill in the blanks with like different characters that people didn't see before or newer characters if they want to have that isolation you know what i mean um those standalone stories they could do that and that would be a perfect way for re to continue without having to compromise anything that occurred in re9 so i i think that's the perfect way to do it um it's like deva said this series makes money it's been one of the most popular and profitable survival horror franchises on earth and that's not without a reason uh so all the setup is there all the cookies are on the table it's just up to them to perform and that's what I feel about that. So next up is Deadman. Um, So honestly, I was uh,
5: Black Shadow kind of ruined it. I was going to say Wesker to be a smartass.
6: <laughs> Sorry about
1: that. But, <laughs> but it, it's, okay. it's, not, it's not ridiculous answers. The thing is not ridiculous.
5: It's not. And honestly, with with them saying that Nine is like supposed to be the, you know, big finale of it. Really, who else but Wesker could really be the, you know, main big bad to end it all? And honestly, I've never been fully convinced that Wesker is dead just because of his propensity to, you know, not die. (laughs) So, I'm just imagining, you know, Chris and Jill, some kind of storyline with them and them busting into the office of the BSAA And then you have a slow chair turn around, and it's Wesker with his half-melted face and just being like, hello, Chris. (laughs) just something ridiculous like that. Um, But beyond Wesker and, like, kind of Simmons to a lesser extent, I don't really know who could be the next big bad, and it would be satisfying because... I mean, Miranda's dead, but Miranda's still a relatively new character, so it wouldn't really feel good for her to be the big bad that was masterminding everything from you know all time and i doubt that spencer would even be a good answer either because you know he's been dead for some time and you know he's not had a huge huge presence in especially the later games um so outside of the smart ass answer being wesker i don't really know who would be a good satisfying villain.
0: Sam are what about you? How do you feel about this question? <laughs> um,
2: so, I haven't thought a lot about who the villain could be, but all this talk of Wesker, uh, I think Wesker would be great to bring back. Um, I would like to see them come up with an original villain, whether it's somebody corrupt in the BSAA or uh, somebody else, some sort of corporate figure, but I'd like to see the first, like... Little bit of the game, you know, less than the first maybe chapter or two, depending on how they break it up. I would like to see that um, to be from Chris's perspective. And you're going after this big bad, whatever. And you you capture him. You, you, You know, Chris finishes the mission, but somehow it's revealed that Wesker is behind it all. And Wesker shows up kills chris and then you flip to jill and claire you know you could do another little time jump six months three months what have you where you know jill and claire meet up to try and figure out what happened to chris you know jill was chris's first partner claire is his sister that that's a common thread we've never seen jill and claire on a mission together so i would like to see them um go on a mission you know try and avenge chris's death try and kill wesker once and for all uh you could tie rose into that you know rose was doing missions for them you know and maybe she defects somehow or maybe she's the catalyst for chris trying to stop this corporate um Uh, a machine that's running and creating these BOWs. But that's what I would like to see. I would like to see something like that. Something really dramatic happens to Chris right in the beginning of RE9, kicks off an adventure with Jill and Claire um, trying to avenge or figure out what happened to Chris. Uh, And, you know, that ends his story on a high note. He dies what he loves doing. That's all he's ever done is trying to stop them. Uh, Maybe he doesn't succeed, um, but that, it sets up some good stakes for a final game. You know, you're finally going after Wesker, who has, you know, maybe in the shadows after five, like we've said, you know, maybe he's not really dead. Maybe he's really been pulling the strings behind the scenes through all these games. And um, the whole um, the whole idea With, um, you know, them having trouble keeping track of this lore, I I don't buy that entirely because like Kingdom Hearts exists, Final Fantasy exists, these games with these massive like lore behind them that somebody has to keep track of I mean shit even comic books exist so it's one of those things where it's like I don't necessarily buy that just say that you you're done with these characters and you want to move on like you don't need to feed us some line of bullshit about how difficult Resident Evil is to keep track of because it's ultimately in the grand scheme of things Resident Evil isn't that difficult to keep track of compared to some of the other fandoms and games out there so um, I don't buy that line but yeah ultimately I'd like to see Wesker is a villain um, Chris gets sent off in some blaze of glory trying to stop it and then an adventure with Jill and Claire trying to figure things out as a final cap to that 1 through 9 or I guess 0 through 9 story
0: yep and and to give extra context to uh, that line that they set I don't, I don't know how true it is but apparently this was taken off of a live stream where uh one of the producers for resident evil 2 remake apparently took some notes from wikipedia and people were saying oh they really can't keep up with their storylines blah 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 but it's as you said you know re is very simple even at its most confusing which i would say is re6 because they had like four different storylines going on you still could understand each and every single one of them even though uh towns were bombed because someone was horny but that's that's something we already talked about in the resident evil 6 podcast so i'll leave it at that uh yeah it, it, i'm gonna like now open the floor to uh, a slight open talk if anything uh if anyone wants to bring up anything that uh we haven't mentioned or they want to chime in on stuff they can now unmute uh so that uh, but overall i do think this was fun this was
3: entertaining so open talk section oh awesome. okay then hello yeah, um, I know. because I was just going through all like our chat and stuff, and it's just been funny. But I had a really, <laughs> I had a bit of a meme, uh, circulating in my head. It's like the final villain of Resident Evil 9. Who would it be? It's like. But if it's Rebecca Chambers, you know, after all the oh. Vendetta bullshit she went through? Oh god. Uh, like, you know, Next
1: Chris, people will be saying Billy this. Cohen's coming back, for the love of god.
3: Oh, god. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Uh, but that's just an actual just a meme I was just circling my head. That would just blow your guys' mind. Oh, how about Rebecca Chambers be the final villain? You know, that would be a twist. You know, after Vendetta, she's so fucked up about almost being in this, like, weird marriage shit. Honestly, <laughs> a- after a- after this game, I,
0: I don't know what direction they are going with the remakes, and since this is open talk, we're pretty much done with the village discussion, so I, I, I don't know where they're going there, or with some of these older characters, because they were going to have Billy and at some point in infinite darkness and then they're like no this doesn't make sense why would he go back to the war yeah and, um whatever it was penance damn yeah it's like I, I can see why they cut that i know people were disappointed but it made sense
3: yeah like there's I mean, some more medias to talk about yeah. go ahead
4: i think what they're gonna do is like they're gonna continue remaking like kind of going backwards in a way probably remaking the remake of one already and I would, I could see them doing zero and eventually code Veronica and then creep their way to five and six to kind of like give another canon or version of the whole timeline of Resident Evil. So it finally connects to seven, right? You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like that could be the main, you know, point right now that they're going to be doing. But just to end it though, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, what can they do? I mean, yeah, you guys mentioned like Billy, but. I mean that doesn't really make sense that they they would bring him back. I mean, isn't he supposed to be in hiding because he's still a wanted person, right? Isn't he? Yeah. Or no, no, he wasn't. I'm sorry. No, no. Actually, no. Scratch, scratch that. Sorry. I remember a document that Rebecca said that he died. Supposedly died. I, like, remember, like that document from Star's office? That be fine.
0: Yeah, he uh, is yeah. ki, uh, but you know, yeah. still alive to us. So, uh, yeah. un- unless he's like super off the grid because he has to be working somewhere under a new identity then it's it's gonna be weird to have him paired up with bsa people unless the the only the only way i could buy something like that is if the world is in dire streets like at this point uh, all best are off alliances have to be formed because uh the the planet is too messed up and honestly i i don't get that from the future timeline everything seems peaceful like 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 life is normal now from what i've seen in the background so uh nothing's going too chaotic wait wait, real
4: quick let me let me interrupt you here real quick Mm -hmm. what if okay just what if you know that ending we just talked about with the whole shadow of rose right and the ending of re village right yeah you know how rose was like you know inside that car with that one agent and he, she supposedly saw that her dad well why did she see her dad right well what if she's still inside the megamicy that would be a nice you know, hat, plot twist right like i mean I did, I... like i mean it, it kind of like all right well i mean it just I'd be like, okay, that will be interesting. And now the plot is like, okay, now Chris has to go save Rose somehow to get her mind out of the Megamyces somehow. Right. And then, so now he has to delve into the Megamyces. some, like in some capacity with like some type of machine that, you know, similar to Alex Wesker, where she was able to go through whatever co- transplant her consciousness to another thing. Well, Chris could do use the same technology do the same thing but what if they do like this Avengers thing where he like they get like they'll get Jill Leon and all the main characters and in the end they're gonna have like this end game like you know where it's like Chris pops out from this portal and like you know and then you see all these characters just start coming out and flood and like you see oh, I'm just going off I'm just <laughs> I'm stupid I'm just they're gonna I mean, have it, have it honestly, no, that was that enjoyable though, though.
3: That was was Mother Miranda's
5: um, plan all along was to do that, so that would be a hell of a plot twist that, you know, wouldn't even (laughs) be like a, oh, this just came out of nowhere bullshit, like, it would actually kind of make sense.
4: Well, I mean, who would be the Thanos, though? I mean, like, are we are they going to have, like, on one side, all the Resident Evil characters on one side, and then the other, you see, like, a revived Albert Wesker with a like, Matrix, like, Trenchco, and then he's running towards Chris and whatnot, you know? And, like, wh-
3: what are we... Are we going to see that? Like, or, like, I don't know. What are we going to have here? You know... I and, mean, like, I mean, Chris gets near and says Avengers Assemble. You know... <laughs> If
5: it's stupid enough, I wouldn't hate it. It would be like, you know what? This
4: is fine. This is funny. Gosh. Oh, Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, man. That would be crazy. I mean, look, we have so many characters in the Resident Evil series. I mean, like, it wouldn't be out of the realm to have one, like, a whole bunch of people on one side and then the other just a bunch of villains and whatnot. I mean, jeez. I mean,
3: technically, we have Jake and Sheva in, like, the same regional area. Like, That'd yeah. be a I game. would
5: love to see more of Sheva. It's, it's criminal that she's only been in five.
3: Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, uh, fucking Resident Evil 4 Remake's Hunnigan looks like Sheva. She does. She does. Kinda, which, yeah. is a little, yeah. which is a little jarring to me. Now that I think about it, I was like, she kind of looks like Sheva. Like the exact same hairstyle, just with glasses. And just everything else, it just looks like Sheva. You know, it's if like they her pull business. Is honestly, it's like her Sheva's sister the whole time. I would not be upset. <laughs> I mean, her name's Ingrid Hunnigan. Yeah, Sheva LMR. no oh. uh, So, but um, I, I just want to say something
0: like real quick. Uh, there is, there is one experiment that I kind of wanted them to sort of do. And I'm kind of curious if this is possible, Uh, so they, they say that Natalia now is possibly immortal, Natalia Alex or whatever, so there's that on the table. I was wondering with the way Wesker's old virus worked, I I was always wondering could she combo that immortality into also having powers if she has perfect DNA to handle any of the prototype T virus on the market because I mean she is smart enough to probably manufacture that she is a virologist so I I was thinking they could do that and then she would be you know, a big villain and a big threat because she has like two things going on at the same time. That'd be absolutely ridiculous. um But we just don't know. I mean, it just.
4: Uh, I mean, you might as well add in like she found like you know plays around with the mold. I mean, if we're working with immortality, I mean, Mother Miranda pretty much figured that out yep. if you think about it. How how old was she? Like right? <laughs> like my Resident Evil Village. I mean, she was born sometime before night yeah, the nineteen hundreds, right? the 19 it's 1900s because like she had her daughter during the yeah like her daughter was like 10 years old during the spanish flu and that happened like in 1918 so now like okay so immortality aside like like ren said i mean okay so she has the mind of alex right we're talking about natalia corda but let's just say alex wesker she has the mind of um alex wesker but you know giving her the viruses that wesker put himself remember he was a special case he he was able to develop antibodies out of all the wesker children out of all of them right there was a ton of them he was the only one who really was able to adapt to it and that's why we saw the way he was in um resident evil 5 but let's say if she does if she is able to adapt to it like albert wesker now in more like the mold on top of that and which adds in more of the hallucinations all the supernatural i mean we're talking about we're making a super like super villain like, oh yes yeah, that yeah. kind of character you know what i mean like you might as well just put this in space you know what i mean resident <laughs> evil in space you know like i don't know oh gosh these these little memes are getting me off man i can't like i can't look at the dancing i'm sorry man like <laughs> but besides that i mean i don't know man is you know what that pretty much summarizes it like it will get to the point where Resident Evil is gonna get so outlandish so I don't know out of out of whack that we end up seeing like what we saw in the like Netflix series of like Who was this like Evelyn was it, that's what her name was, right? I didn't watch it, but I knew of it like dancing in front of our main character and I think that's what Jill, right? Oh, man, I just I just decided to skip that show yeah i don't don't know man like people showed me little clips of it and when i saw that dancing i was like is this even resident evil anymore i mean how did we get this far you know what i mean it was going in a good great direction i mean it still is actually the series is still like the main game but just the outside of it like the live action like who who signed off on this did they even play resident evil like I, i don't understand this you know what i mean like and this i'm sorry i'm going on a rant here but like (laughs) i'm a huge resident evil fan i've been playing it since i was eight years old man like in in the ps1 days and to see what it has devolved to to seeing this character and right uh, uh, that's her name whatever what's her name evelyn right or whoever this is dancing like why just why like the source material is literally right in front of them right I don't understand why they have to meld it in different ways to like do this like why what is wrong with these people you know what I mean it's like just like okay alright guys we got the great source material right here but you know what let's you know what we're gonna do we're not gonna use any of that maybe we'll just use little nitpicks here and there but we're gonna make something completely different and we're gonna have this random lady dance in front of our character and put it and say it's
0: Resident Evil like who thought that was a great idea I like, seriously, what's wrong with these people? I have I have no faith for RE live action. I, I think that died when uh Apocalypse came out and, and Nemesis had like a heart. You know what I mean? Uh ten times the size of his head. So <laughs> I was just like, I I think there's no faith until someone and, and there's been pretty good fan content for the most part for like uh fan movies, but I, I have no faith in these anymore to be honest. Well, the thing okay, is, I uh, will it, say
5: for, like, uh, the first three, maybe just the two W.S. Anderson movies, those were, like, so campily stupid, they were great. The later <laughs> ones definitely draw I still haven't ever finished the last movie, because oh, I'm just geez. like, I can't get through it. But, like, I will, and I still haven't watched the TV series yet, but I was, I remember thinking when they announced it, I was like, you know what, out of everybody, Lance Reddick probably would make the best Wesker, and I... From what I heard, he was the best part of the show.
6: Oh, geez. Well, so, like, oh,
5: I mean, if they can get their casting right and actually do the source material justice, I mean, they've got a damn good series on their hands, but they just keep screwing it
6: yeah. up.
4: <laughs> you know, and the, the crazy thing is, like, you're going back to the Anderson like your films and all that. I mean, they did. I would say, obviously, the first two, like you said, they, I would say, felt the most Resident Evil out of, you know, I'm talking about live action, but. Again, the source material was right there. They literally just nitpick, like, maybe certain names. Like, for example, I think it was on the second one, right? Remember when Nemesis just got his Gatling gun or, uh, you know, rocket launcher? And they show, like, the Stars team. And they're, like, you know, some, uh, like, the Hunnigan or whatever in the um background says, like, that's, like, Elite Stars team. They're the best.
5: And next thing you know, they're blowing
4: up. I'm like, how are they the best? <laughs> like, you just ruined it. Like, what is wrong with these people? Like, I don't understand, like, why they have to ruin something so
5: good, right? Well, I mean, to be fair, you can be elite all you want, and you still get your ass blown up by a rocket launcher and oh, a Gatling.
4: Like, yeah, <laughs> but, like, but that's a stars team. They're the best. Like, well, there's no point in saying that. You just used them as fodder. I mean... So much for being elite. <laughs> like, I mean, hey, I mean, I guess now, had,
5: had Nemesis gone, like, hand-to-hand with them and beat their ass? I mean, I could, I could understand that being a, a thing, but, like, there's nothing you can do against a rocket I mean, launcher. Well, I
4: mean, at least do him do, uh, justice. Maybe, okay, like, let's say he does, like, shoot a rocket launcher. I mean, let's have them at least half of them, like, dodge and be like, all right, guys, like, we can still fight Nemesis, and some of them go after Nemesis and show their hand-to-hand combat. No, they that's it or, or, forget these guys so you know what i mean like you know like, they're uh, the best and then boom that's it you know like ugh, please like so before I feel like a,
0: i'm sorry to interrupt but before the rant continues because I, I don't want uh shadow to forget his point uh he he has something to say real quick i'm sorry sorry
1: it's, yeah, it's so okay. this, is, this is going a bit back in the conversation uh, but i don't want to throw, i do want to throw out a a mention to uh ben crosshull over on escapist he did a video uh, a few months ago it was more focusing on Resident Evil 4 remake um, but talking a lot about kind of like the the cycles of Resident Evil that have, that have originated over the course of time and kind of how they they kind of gone from this uh, period of like you know they'd have like a sort of a freshest sort of slate you know with like Resident Evil 4 is a great example of like they kind of took what they had originally kind of largely chucked it in like uh, the filing drawer and started a fresh of 4 had a great game and then they kind of went to build from that and it kind of diluted itself. Um, and arguably, I would say the same happened with Resident Evil 7. Uh, the reason I bring it up is just talking about the whole, like, what RE9 should be and what should probably happen beyond RE9. Um, and it's, it's weird for me to say, because I've been playing Resident Evil games for, like, 20 years, but I'm starting to get to a point where I'm not sure, like, I'm as heavily invested in Resident Evil as a series as I used to be, because there's just so much of it now and there has been so much of it, and it's, there's been some really, really great games of it, and there's been a lot of stuff I've really enjoyed, um, some great moments in that, but I I do feel like Resident Evil at the moment is kind of spinning its wheels. I don't know if that's a point that's shared by anyone at so all. So you have some of that uh, RE fatigue? A little bit. There is a bit of fatigue about it. I mean, it's a shame because the, like, the, the Winter storyline I've enjoyed as a whole, I think it's been pretty good. Um, but it's just like I feel like direction at the moment it's like I I, I don't really see where it is Um, you know I guess you could argue at the moment it's been just trying to focus on like tying up some loose ends which is fine Um, but it's also because of the fact it's been 18 months since Resident Evil Village came out and then basically everything went dead Um, and the next thing they're doing is a remake which isn't really going to add anything particularly new and, you know, it's it's difficult as well because, like, the remake of RE2 was was fantastic. I still think the remake of 3 was fine, and the remake for 4 should be pretty good, but I just feel like, as far as, like, a more sort of creative sort of standpoint with the new stuff going on, I do get the impression that they're just kind of... I think they're struggling. I, I think they're really struggling with so much stuff that's already happened that they've got to link back to. Uh, I think they're struggling to really know what to do with it, so maybe... Maybe the best thing to do is to just kind of cut it loose. I don't necessarily mean like, you know, Resident Evil 9 happens and that's it. You end the series because it's still a, a very notable name. But I, I I am starting to get to believe that maybe RE9 needs to happen. They use as a chance to kind of, you know, put a lot of resolution in and put a lot of things to bed and then just move on from it. Um, you know, which is which is a difficult and a bold thing to do, and I don't necessarily think that's something they'd want to do because there's a lot of noble names, but I just I don't really I, I mean, w- what is next?
0: I'm I'm of two minds with this before I um, pass the baton to anyone who wants to speak on this, but uh, mine like the left side of my mind is like, yes, this has gone on for a very, very long time, and I agree that you know, Capcom really needs to take the opportunity to focus on other franchises, horror related, because, you know, there's people asking, where's Dino Crisis? Uh, are you gonna bring back Haunting Ground? Are you gonna do anything with those psychological elements you introduce in Village and make a full game? So, Outbreak remake. yeah, uh, what about uh, an Outbreak remake or something like that? So there are those questions of differing thoughts on what people want. But the other side of my brain is like, I don't mind. I think I have fatigue set in when the games are bad and the worst examples of when I had this RE fatigue was when it was near, uh, 2000, 2012, I believe, uh, where they released RE6 and ORC and all those games came out and, you know, they had mixed results with what they tried to experiment with. So, I, I would prefer at least for the games to have some quality standard as it, it has now as opposed to the past where they were just putting things on Resident Evil and it wasn't even feeling like Resident Evil. And that's when the fatigue set in for me in the past. Yeah, I mean, definitely that period, because you think like in 2012, Revelations came out, Resident Evil 6 came
1: out, Operation Raccoon City came out, Mercenaries 3D had just come out. You Know there was a lot of Resident Evil at that point, and that's why mm-hmm. there was like there was nothing for the next two years, like it was completely silent. Uh, then Revelations 2 came out afterwards and it kind of ticked along, and we eventually got RE7 like in 2017. Um, but it's like again, we've got a lot of Resident Evil, like we've had a like a Resident Evil game in every pretty much every single year. Um, you oh, know, yeah, we haven't had very much in 2022, but it's it. I, it is, I'm concerned that series is spinning its wheels a bit at the moment, and I, it's not good for it at all.
0: Yeah, I, I think they should correlate back to their last statement of, hey, let's we're going to remake other games, or other franchises, and, and give them uh, reimaginings, quote-unquote, so why not try to take that sort of step there and see what you could do, because uh, I talked to Ninja a lot in the horror server, and he, he keeps saying that he doesn't believe Capcom likes to experiment, because uh why bend your marquee survival horror franchise into the ground when it's making a lot of money going back to dino crisis where it's like you don't know what the result will be and i kind of see that logic because it's like it's a lot less risky uh doing a resident evil game versus like a dino crisis reboot or remake or whatever and you don't know what it's going to be but like i said the fan demand is there so it's not worth without like trying yeah, the one other thing I've got as
1: well is that I'm not even that sure that throwing the name Resident Evil onto these games is really adding that much value to them anymore as well. Like, if you if you took Resident Evil 7 or you took Resident Evil 4, for example, and you didn't call them Resident Evil and you called them something like completely new and it was the exact same game, it doesn't make them a bad game anymore. They're still really, really good titles and they'd still be fantastic to play. And that's my other concern as well. The remakes is fine but it's like, I don't think, like, it's not like throwing Resident Evil onto the title, I don't necessarily means as much now as it may have done, like, say, 10-15 years ago, where I think it had a bit more gravitas, because there's just been so much of it, so, maybe, yeah, maybe it's just a point, like, they can do the Reform yet, they can do RE9, Re say, in 2024, whatever else, but maybe just just give it a chill, you know, let it have some time, um, take a break, you know, do other stuff, um you don't have to abandon it entirely, but I I think that's kind of where we're at here. We're getting to this point where there's a lot of churn. Um and it's I, I don't see how it's particularly beneficial. It's 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 a route you can just keep going down, it's a rabbit hole you can keep exploring. Um and there's only one real result of that is you have a repeat of twenty twelve where there's just so much of it, it oversaturates. Um, and then it kind of loses. Complete a bit. global saturation. I knew someone was going to make that reference <laughs> once I said it. I
3: regret using
1: that verbiage. Unfortunately, uh, but it was. It was.
3: Terrible. I've been holding back laughter for all the memes I've been posting. But, but the the point
1: stands. I, I I I think that I think that's why the RE9 needs to be just this. I, I this point where it's just it, it it finishes to some extent, not necessarily entirely. But I think it needs to be like a, a closure. And I think it needs a lot of closure. I think Resident Evil as a whole needs a lot of closure after twenty five years. Um, because you've just kind of got this point where you've got, you know, it's it's another infection in another place. vil variants of a theme. And you'd think after all of these virus outbreaks that, you know, someone in some important position would say, you know what, we need to fucking stop this um you know not bsa but you think the world would be like okay we've had all these horrendous outbreaks in america and china and africa and that sort of thing maybe we really ought to do something to stop this and no one seems to care i don't they just like they're just like eh, it's fine you know we'll just let another million people die to this outbreak and it So it it won't happen
0: to the the fine. the only issue with that is that that's sort of the plot that they created for themselves like i they they haven't gone after like the black market or anything constantly reproducing these viruses and selling them when it's like the question is there and it's obvious but they just don't so i i don't know why maybe it's way too fast that we anticipate maybe there is a reason after they created that from re5 i just don't know but like i said i'm of two minds where i agree they should do other survival horror content and they have the ips to do it and uh people have that demand for dino crisis but the other mind is like you know it's not bad unless it is bad like i rather would get uh, a slew of games that's good versus a slew that's bad and and mixed reception just like it was with orc where i just I really did not like my first playthrough of that game, so it, it, it's something to that effect for me. But what does everyone else think of that conversation?
5: I mean, kind of. I I agree definitely that there is a bit too much, and you can say that for honestly a lot of franchises. Like, sure, Operation Raccoon City was bad, but was it bad because it was bad, or was it bad because it had the Resident Evil title on it? Because I didn't enjoy operation raccoon city all that much but i can't deny that at its core it wasn't a terrible game it just with the things that it presented and the just kind of it I, I seem to remember it being kind of jank which granted i haven't played it since. oh it, it, is, it
0: is it, it feels still it it's pretty, pretty still jank
3: still, still <laughs> it's yeah uh, knife uh knife combos are still broken as shit oh my <laughs> no, God.
1: i think it, i think the problem is it is kind of emblematic of where resident evil is was at that point I think that's what True. people that, that's its legacy. Whether it's fair or not is 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 a different matter entirely. And RE six gets, you know, some stick for being this completely giant, expansive, sprawling narrative across all these different things, which was difficult to make sense of. But I think Raccoon City is a much more kind of um concise sort of uh viewpoint of, and kind of spotlight of where Resident Evil was at the time. I think that's that's why it gets reviewed as such. I mean, I've played it a bit, it was fine. It was, you know, as a game, it was okay. It was, it wasn't very remarkable, but I think it it's just emblematic of kind of where the series was at that point.
5: I mean, we got Meat Transformer, so you know, in my book, that it's not <laughs> completely hilarious if you, or it's not completely bad if it's got hilarious shit like that. And yeah, I'm always gonna call Simmons the fucking Meat Transformer because he just. <laughs> Transforms into like a T Rex and then just goes about his business back into a people and I'm like, what am I even watching? Like, I think Resident Evil has some body horror stuff, but like, come on, what, when did we go so being
0: scared out of our minds to having a meat transformer? That name, oh my
3: god. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's probably the funniest thing I've ever heard in these discussions. Me I,
0: I mean, literally, he's not wrong. That's what he is. He's he's a neat transformer. I, I was playing that with my body for
5: the first time. I was just like, what am I even looking at?
0: <laughs> yeah, when when it jumps the shark, I I just don't know what to say. Like at, at least <laughs> I will give them credit, when they started with RE2 Remake, at least they tried to reel it back in a sense. And, and you know, it, you could even say that earlier with, like, um, well, I don't know if you say that earlier with 7, because 7 had ridiculous moments, but it, it had a sense of going back to what made Resident Evil Resident Evil, as opposed to saying, hey, we have meat transformer, we have, um, gloppy, Sloppy sloppy seconds with uh uh Carla when she transformed it, 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 just a bunch of crazy nonsense like I I don't think I've ever played a game as wacky as re6 up to that point like I thought five was pushing it with the boulder punching but it went to a whole nother level and I'm just like what is going on so I think when when I start questioning those values that's when it's like yeah you could just you could take a break you put a kibosh on this for the time being <laughs>
1: They were great RE9, last game of the series. so all done dusted.
0: Very good. Uh, yeah, and, and, probably. And, I, uh, I would assume it would be. Uh, like in ter- I think they are gonna do the anthology isolation thing afterwards, but in terms of like main protagonists, villains, or whatnot, I-, I think that's gonna be it. And I don't think that's a bad
1: thing either. Like I think I, I mean not, it doesn't yeah, feel like the
5: franchises should be allowed to end at some point because there's just not gonna be anything new you're gonna be able to tell after a while. You're just gonna cool. be regurgitating the same shit. Well actually,
4: no, you know what? You know what they're gonna do? I would say in ten years? We're gonna have Resident Evil 2 remake remake. As, uh, <laughs> you know. That that could be re-remake. possible.
1: <laughs> the free
3: yeah, like, you know, oh, yeah, on Yeah, Metaverse.
1: Yo, please, Leon Kennedy. Like, right. Oh, man.
3: (laughs) No, I want to see more side stories because in the old PS2 days, we had so many fucking side stories with Dead Aim, with with Outbreak Files. Like, some of those were hit and misses, but they still had something to offer. Like, they also had their memes to go along with them. Like, I want more games like that. After nine, if it's gonna be the last one, someone on, I want someone more on, of that shit. Someone on Twitter called me crazy for saying this, but
0: I I I think it's a completely valid thing, and I, I think we'll have this talk before we sign off. But I was like, why not remake the really bad games like Survivor or or the the side stories that you mentioned that a lot of people um might not know of, like Dead Aim or, or stuff like that. Like you could go into the vault and make a uh, re7 style survivor and if you make it good i'm
3: sure people would say hey that's kind of cool i'll play that so i don't see why that not name is just the guidance <laughs> we do not is the guidance that we deserve <laughs>
1: if you're gonna do that you might as well just just like start afresh really you know because then again it's like if you if you're gonna start doing these old ones it would get into this whole point again of where you're kind of like constricting yourself in the freedom you're allowing yourself creatively um, so if you're gonna do that, you must well just do a fresh just something fresh, someone new, um, and then you've got full freedom of what you can do with the story, um, rather than like artificially constraining yourself. It seems yeah, kind of unnecessary.
0: I, I, I get that. Uh but at the same time we already know the path Capcom is going down on with all these remakes. There's definitely gonna be more of them. Uh, but I, I do think they should be spread out as to not just R E. It'd be cool if they made other kick ass uh reimagined games, uh like DMC one or, or uh friggin' oh, yes, yeah. Dino Christ. I would take that day one. It it be nice and if they Put in the classic, like, because DMC1's kind of like a hack and slash, but it's also uh, the most horror aesthetic that it was, considering it was supposed to be RE 4 So they could do that, and it could pay off. We have this cool action horror game. Let's try that, and and that'd be nice. Honestly, yeah, because, I mean, going through DMC2 is
5: one of those things that, like, I wanted to like it. But I just I was just so bored playing it. But like you could remake it and actually make it good. Like like the a lot of people's headcanon is that the reason that Dante is the way that he is is because he's fucking depressed because he had to kill his brother again. And like they could lean into that. And you know, he had his little bit of hope at the end, which led into DMC four, but like you could remake three is kind of iffy because three is good the way that it is, but it could also be updated. <clears throat> the, uh, you know, the game systems could be updated to play more like five. Cause the, honestly five is the best to play in my opinion. And I'm sure most people would agree with that. Yes. But you know, yes. just at four four can stay as it is. Four is recent enough that I don't think it really needs that much work. But one to three, um, especially if you haven't been playing them for the last twenty years, like I just started playing them for I think the last couple of years, and they're harder to go through because they are PS2 titles and because they are the earliest known versions of you know, the hack and slash character action games, you know, they're, they're old, so they don't play as cleanly as the new ones. And it would be nice to see them go back and do that. So back to, uh, I believe it was Ren's point of, you know, remake the bad games, remake the bad games or the lesser known ones that are part of the canon. Cause I know everybody has been wanting a code Veronica remake since before they started doing the two remake. Oh man. Um, uh, I'm gonna, uh, and, and, you know, stuff I mean, like that, just, you know, remake stuff that is lesser known so that it can be like, oh, hey, I played this remake now. So now I'm kind of curious to see how the original was and kind of go back to it and give it some more light.
0: I, I, my little hot take is that I, I, I still think they're going to pick five over Cole Veronica and it's going to be a war. Oh, it's going to be never, a war. No, I, I
1: don't, I have no uh, faith they're going to do <sighs> so Veronica. It's the one that probably nobody could do from a game standpoint, but I have, I have no confidence they're actually ever They, it
0: they,
3: they, oh, doubt they, it. they said maybe, but they maybe, talked about it. That, that's if the opportunity presents itself, they will do it. That, that's but PR talk. I don't also. understand
4: why, though. Like, I don't understand why they don't, though. I mean, to me, I liked. No Code Veronica? I don't understand. Like, Same here, man. Money. Are scared?
2: It's money. You know, the... that's, that's literally the only reason. I that's true. The it's big just... brain play we're not seeing right now is Wesker is going to be the villain for 9, and Wesker's returning <laughs> Code Veronica is so fucking hype. they're going to drop the remake for Code Veronica to get mm. everybody hyped for Wesker.
4: Mm. Oh, that's true. That,
2: uh, that, that, could could be a, that could be a money move. That'd be funny,
0: also, That'd and be funny. funny shit. That'd be funny as well. <laughs> Turns out that he, Steve he is he actually exactly, the main five. villain. do like, people,
1: people remember <laughs> that he was in Resident Evil 5 and he was in Code for <laughs>
3: i
0: mean that's, that's also true <laughs> but, like i said i i just have this scumbag feeling that they're gonna be like oh here's re5 and everyone's gonna be pissed i just i don't know why i i just have this gut intuition remember this now on this podcast if they pick re5 first over ko veronica and <laughs> if you're raging and stuff like that just just i just say i i, I kind of do ahead of time i don't know <laughs> i'm sorry
3: i'm sorry claire but yeah it's it's just it's not
1: yeah and i'm okay with that you know like i'd love to see a remake for ko veronica but i i just i just feel like we would have known about it by now nah, and
3: steve needs his justice
0: you know so <laughs> we'll see maybe they decide to in the end but i'd be i'd be stunned if it actually happened same i i'd be shocked i, I like I, i'd i be for it i'll play it but i'd be literally shocked if they decide to do it because it feels like one of those things that's been uh i wonder if this is the right word well you know what i think it is neglected in terms of like yeah Mm -hmm. how how they've been talking about it less and 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 it's been coming up less and when people mention it it just gets overlooked so uh it is one of those things where like if they do it i'd be surprised because it seems like that's the redheaded stepchild that they put in the attic forever uh but i i think that about ends uh this cool conversation great discussion all around from the panel good good stuff yes this this was a fun one
3: this was a fun
0: one so i will we will do the outros here uh i'm gonna start with myself so you can find me on uh twitter at rent operative underscore you find me on youtube renegade operative uh we recently uploaded a sonic podcast as well so if you want double the trouble then you can watch this and then watch that and then all great discussions all around uh, and that's going to be it for me in terms of working on content. I might just live stream for a while until the next podcast. And that's it for me. Uh, Shadow, where can we find you on social media?
1: Yep. Uh, I'm around on YouTube, Black Shadow 993 Also on Twitch, Black okay. underscore Shadow underscore 993, where I'm doing things. Things are occurring at the moment. There's a lot happening in my life. It's all a bit all over the place, but there are things happening. It largely has a horror theme. So,
0: yay. Next up is Deva. All right, well you guys
4: can primarily find me on YouTube. That's where I'm most, you know, well known for. So just, hey Deva, H-E-Y, space D-E-V-U-H. And yeah, you guys can catch me there.
5: Next up is Deadman. You can find me on YouTube mostly at Deadman Gaming where I like to be the overly positive fanboy and just win things because I like them. And I'm also over on Twitter at deadmangaming13. And I also recently made a Tumblr since everybody's migrating off of Twitter, I guess. <laughs> so that's also deadmangaming13 and I mostly just post any kind of artwork that I do on my side. And that's it for me.
3: Austin? I am uh, AK Austin. You can find my uh, find me at YouTube under the same name as AK Austin. You can find me over at Twitch at austinttv and it is the same handle on Twitter. And I would like to say, as the merchant here, this has been the Infinity Ammo Syndicate Podcast. I'll buy it at a high price if I could, but it's a nice one to take care of.
0: Bye bye all. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Alright, and Zamzara, where can we find you, buddy?
2: Yeah, you could find me on Twitter, um, YouTube, Twitch, all that, at Zamzara. You can find me on Hive uh, as well. Um, Any social media you can find me there Uh, I got some new computer parts coming in so I got a new build for the stream coming up Uh, So you'll see me on there doing horror games I got a playthrough of Elden Ring coming up at the time of this recording and I'm probably gonna play through um, Some Resident Evil games coming up here soon with the new build so uh, super excited for that. So thanks for having me
0: All right, and once again, we are the infinite MO syndicate we are signing out good discussion um we will see you guys next time until we do like callisto protocol then dead space Then next year is crazy for horror i'm just letting people know like right now that's going to be insane uh definitely the beginning of the year is just going to be cycled with horror stuff so uh for resident evil we'll be back when we do re 4 remake and just play the hell out of that game because that's what i plan to do day one uh until then we will see you guys next time later I don't have enough cash for these games, stranger, <laughs> that <laughs> buy me out!